Good afternoon. Welcome to Three and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, B.J. Bennett, and Ben Troop. Glad you were with us here. So much to get to here on the show as we are coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Of course, a great place to come out and watch the games, watch the SEC Championship game. They're going to have it on all over the place here, out in the Sound Garden as well. And, of course, live music uh, on the weekends, although John did say, John Henderson here at Coach's said, look, no band on Saturday. we got the SEC Championship game going on, so we're going to focus on football ball here but a place to come for nfl college and of course food beverages and more right here coach's corner on victory drive in thunderbolt so plenty to get to here on the show we'll talk a lot of football uh, as we go through here on this thursday including with our next guest who joins us right here off the jump he is the head football coach of the Dallas state blazers they are into the third round of the NCAA D2 playoffs are at home this week against uh, Bowie State. Gary Goff joins us here on 3 and Out. Coach, welcome. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you coming on. And, uh, again, speak to what this season uh, has meant to you as a as a coach. You come in year number one. You went 10-0, lost in the, in the playoffs. Then last year at the D2 level, you guys just didn't get an opportunity to play at all. And then now back at it this year, you sit here 10-1 in the third round of the playoffs. What has being able to get the season in and, and play it meant to you and meant to the program to be able to get out there and, and actually have football this year? You know, it's been phenomenal. I've been so happy for these young men. I mean, we've got 16 seniors that, due to the COVID season, had a choice to either come back or go on and start their careers. And uh, they all chose to come back and be part of something special. So I tell you, it's been just a a, a joy to coach these young men and have a season like we're having right now. Um, You know, that COVID year, if it did anything to everybody, it made us really be thankful and appreciate that. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've got our health, and we're getting to play this uh, unbelievable sport that we all love. Coach, 66 points in the win over West Georgia. You guys had 719 yards of total offense. I guess for a uh, playoff performance, that's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's really good. We, we would take that every weekend if we could. Um, you know, the, the guys are just excited to play. Um, you know, they're, they're excited to, to, to make a run. Uh, you know, we, we feel like we made one mistake in one game on one play in the 2019 season that, that uh, potentially kept us from winning a, another national championship. So um, I, I'm proud of the guys. They've been extremely locked in, and uh, they, they've been paying attention to detail. And uh, I, I told them that doesn't guarantee a win, but it sure helps. <laughs> and, Coach, uh, what, type of, what type of challenge do you guys expect from a team like Bowie State? I, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I said, what type of challenge do you guys expect from a team like Bowie State? Well, you know, they, they've got a phenomenal defense. You know, they, they got the number five defense in the country. Um, their defensive line is really, really good. They, they just got some guys that are big, strong, and fast up there. Uh, their, their middle linebacker is a uh, an FCS All-American a couple years back. So, you know, they're, they're just really talented on defense. So, um, you know, we're going to have our hands on the offensive side, and then, uh, their offense is dynamic. You know, they they got a quarterback that is uh, is really athletic and got a good arm on him. He came back in the game last week after an injury and threw two uh, two touchdown passes to get that win. So, um, you know, I, I know they're going to be a, a physical, strong, fast team that's got a chip on their shoulder and uh, going to come in here and give us everything they got. So, you know, we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. And um, when you play these uh, playoff games like this, the margin of error is very very small. So, we got to make sure we take care of business. 
Gary Goff, head football coach of Valdosta State, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Coach, you talk about offense. Yours are pretty good. Your quarterback last week, Ivory Durham, over 400 yards of offense between him uh, in the air and running four touchdowns for him uh, last week. Talk about uh, what kind of a dynamic playmaker he is and what he has brought to the table here this year. Yeah, you know, Ivory Durham is a dynamic player. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people had major concern around the program when Rogan Wells decided to, to leave and go to Western Carolina. Um, we didn't bat an eye because we, we knew Ivory Durham was a phenomenal player who played a lot of football. He just hadn't had his time to start yet. Um, and, and I think you saw that throughout the season this year. I mean, with every start, he got better and better. Um, he is a gamer. I mean, I, I, I've not been around a quarterback as locked into the moment and to the game as he has. Um, he's a lot of fun to coach. Um, he has got the ability to, even when if it's not uh, the perfect play call, he can turn it into a perfect play call. Um, but he, he's had a great year. Um, you know, last week's first round, uh, second round of playoffs for us, I thought he was locked in and motivated. Um, and, you know, that, that young man's got a lot to prove. You know, he's got a chip on his shoulder, too. Um, and I tell you, if he keeps having the Harlan Hill performances like that, um, he, he's got a chance to be one of the most decorated quarterbacks to play here at Valdosta State. Coach, you're playing Bowie State, as we mentioned, in the NCAA quarterfinal uh, coming up on Saturday. How important is it to have these games at home at Baysmore Hyder Stadium in Titletown? Oh, it's very important. I mean, number one, one of the most important things, I think it's supposed to be about 77 degrees this weekend. We, we could be up north where it's 27 degrees. That wouldn't be any fun. And, um, you know, another very important factor is we're at home against our, in front of our home crowd. I mean, having the home field advantage there in, in Titletown is just, uh, you know, it, it's that 12th man, you know, and, and I'm excited to get out there. And so, so is our team to play in front of our home crowd. Hey, coaches, uh, what, what has been the message to the team this week? Obviously, to be in this position is something they definitely work hard for in the offseason, but what has been your message to the guys this week? Yeah, y- y'all are breaking up a little bit. I don't know if y'all can hear me uh, very clearly, but um, yep. y- you're, you're saying what, what can we expect this week? Yeah, what, did, what was your message to your team this week? Oh, message to the team this week? Yeah, you, you know, do the same thing we've been doing all season long, and, and that's worry about uh, ourselves. Let's worry about our assignments. Um, you know, we, we talk every week about, you know, being you know, tough, attitude, and discipline. And, uh, you know, some of those values are, are given 100% effort and 100% of the time. And, uh, you know, being selfless, team comes first. But, you know, we, we, all, all year long, the team's done a great job of focusing on, you know, one game at a time, one practice at a time, one play at a time, um, and worrying about being 1-0. And uh, that was my message there, you know, Monday morning to the team is, we have a lot of guys with a lot of experience on this team, a lot of guys who have won a national championship on this team, and I can sense that they're feeling it. You know, they, they know we're getting you know, closer and closer, so I kind of just wanted to ground them a little bit and say, just worry about this week, just worry about this practice. Do not pay attention to what it might be at the end of the road, because if you do that, you know, you're going to trip up along the way and not, not be able to finish the mission. So message has been, you know, all playing you know, Blazer football and Bowie State. Gary Goff joining us here, head football coach at Valdosta State. And, Coach, I was going to ask you kind of about that, uh, the championship expectations uh, around the program that are there. What is it like coaching a team that has that kind of ingrained in them as well, where it's like, hey, we came here to, to be in this moment, to, uh, to compete and move on and go play for a championship? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's uh, got a lot to do with, you know, our recruiting here. Um, a, lot, a lot of our 
guys came here for a reason. A lot of our, our, you know, whether we signed them out of high school or whether we got transfers in here, grad transfers, they all wanted to come here and be a part of something special and, and help win a championship. So, um, you know, we're very thankful and, and fortunate to be in the situation that we're in right now. Um, you know, we're, we're not being able to get on the road and recruit like a lot of programs are right now, but that's okay. We'll, we'll trade that for the national championship because if you can win a national championship, that's going to help recruiting. Um, you know, but we, we got a special group of young men, and um, they, they understand that they're, they're playing for one another, and uh, they got a chance to do something that very few get a chance to do in, the, in their collegiate playing career. At 1 p.m. on Saturday in Valdosta, round three of the Division II playoffs. Gary Goff, head football coach, Valdosta State, our guest here on 3 and Out. Coach, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you, fellas. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. Gary Goff joining us here on 3 and Out. BJ and Ben, again, uh, championship tradition there at, uh, at Valdosta State, and uh, he is a guy that has obviously came in. In 20, I'm trying to get all these years together with COVID, 2019, uh, went 10-0 in the regular season, lost in their first playoff game. Didn't get to play last year because of, uh, of COVID. This year, they're back at it. Went 9-1 and in the regular season, won last week to go 10-1, and so they're into the quarterfinals, but a program that expects to win and has certainly done it under Gary Goff so far. Uh, one, of the, one of the top programs in the country. I mean, undoubtedly one of the top programs in the country, and you asked about the championship expectations. Those are very real. When you're at a program like Valdosta State, yeah, the regular season matters. Those games are very important, but you even heard Coach talk about it. There's an energy around the team now because we're, we're into the quarterfinals. We're talking about a win, and we're in the Final Four. And I, I, I love the rhythm they have offensively. Uh, he kind of laughed at some of the numbers because, Ben, that's a dream performance. You're in the second round of the NCAA playoffs, and you drop 66 and go for 719 total yards. I mean, that is big time. So excited to see what Valdosta State can do. I know people are talking about Georgia here in this state chasing a national championship, Kennesaw State doing it at the FCS level, and uh, we'll hear from Brian Bohannon later, but Valdosta State obviously doing it at the Division II level as well. Yeah, and like, you don't go to Valdosta State if you you don't understand uh, the tradition. You know, you don't. You don't. You go to Valdosta State because you don't shy away from pressure. It might be harder to just play for Valdosta State and to, and actually, you know, I try to get to this round the quarter quarterfinals, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Kevin. But at the end of the day, you know what Valdosta is about. I mean, they got documentaries. They got listen. They got documented for the college. They got documented for the high school. They got documented for the middle school. Maybe coming out. You go, <laughs> if you win Valdosta, it's about winning championships or bust. But you're talking about tradition-rich programs throughout the state of Georgia. I don't know if it gets bigger and greater than what they're doing out there in Valdosta right now. But, hey, man, another year, Kevin, back in the quarterfinals. You know, different different years, same result. And stop being objective. You might see me on the side. I mean, I mean, come on. Go ahead and give us, a, you know, flex a little bit. One of the best programs in the country. It's all right. No, it is. I, and, again, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens on Saturday. Maybe I'll have to make a trip to uh, to Northern Alabama when they get to. Uh, actually, I think they might have moved. I may have to go farther than that, but we'll see. Uh, they got to win a couple more games to get to that national championship game. We've got more to come. We are live here at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come see us. Talk some football with us. Uh, a lot of folks talking about the SEC championship game. Baseball is now locked out. We'll get to that as well. So, so much more to come here from Coach's Corner. Come see us. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Drive in Thunderbolt. Uh, glad to have you along here on the show. And uh, BJ, we just talked uh, with Gary Goff. They're still playing football. Of course, you got Georgia playing football this weekend. And our next guest, he's still playing football this weekend. Danny Britt, head coach of the uh, Benedictine Connecticut State semifinals. Coach, good to see you. Thanks for stopping by for a little bit. I know busy week, but uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a nice break to get away and come talk a little ball with you. Well, let's talk, let me talk just a, a, just what is this week like? Because we've seen all around college football, guys getting hired, guys getting fired, new coordinators coming here, there. 
you guys happen to still be playing, and this is a big recruiting time uh, as well. How do you kind of balance all that with football? And, hey, my guys have got coaches stopping by. I want to talk to them, but we got a huge game on Friday. How does that all kind of work this time of year? Yeah, it is. It is a lot. And uh, we've had, I think it was 22 different colleges coming in this week, uh, not to count the ones calling <laughs> yeah. and texting and emailing. So, uh, you know, I'm earning my salary this week for sure, but it's great. I mean, that's a wonderful thing, and uh, it's wonderful to be able to, to have them come to practice, and we're, we're still practicing. So it's great exposure for these kids, especially, you know, the Holton Gurner is going to get – it's been done. Like, that's over. That's he's, We know what's happening with him. But the Matt Cromenhawks, the, you know, the Cam Edges that are college football players, but maybe not at the same level, it's really good for them because those coaches can see them, see them practice, maybe see them play. Uh, so it's really good for them. How does the preparation in the postseason compare to the regular season where, you know, you don't know who you're playing until the week of and there's such a sense of urgency. Do you guys try to maintain the same approach? We do. It really is the exact same approach, honestly. Now, the difference is, as far as practice is concerned, you're really 100% focused on that one varsity team because we also have a JV and a freshman team. So in the regular season, there's a lot of – Managing so some so from a coach's perspective, it's almost easier for us uh, because we're not having to manage all that. Now, the truth is, yeah, you hit the final four. We trade all films, so we're we're reviewing every game that has been played. So you know, we're putting more time into it. But as far as what the kids do and how we do it with the scouting report and when that is and what film we're watching when and. What we're doing is pretty much exactly the same as it is week one. And, of course, a uh, huge game last week with with Marist. I know you have a pretty quick turnaround for letting it go, but that was a a, a, a slugfest last week. Uh, talk yeah. about how big that was to, to pull that through. And I know we called the game, so that last drive where there was about five minutes and you guys were able against a just a tradition-rich team put a five-minute drive together and not let them get the ball back. Yeah, one, that was huge. And, and yes, I, I think I said this on the, the post-game show. Uh, I At this age now, I enjoy them. And I do. I really, the next day, I'm going to take and I'm going to enjoy them. I'm going to smile. I'm going to read the paper. Uh, I'm not one of those cats. Now, I'm working on, on what we're doing and, 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 you know, for the next team, of course. But, um, but yeah, that was huge. It's a very big win for us. Marist is Marist. Yep. And um, especially us being another Catholic school, that was really big for a lot of our people. And then I, I, I thought the defense played incredibly well. And then we, we countered each other. When the offense didn't do well, we drove down and, and threw the interception. The defense came and got a three and out. Boom, we kicked the field goal. Yeah, kicked it back to them. Got a three and out. Scored. And then and we once once they scored and it was five minutes and five seconds we got that ball back and and ran that five minutes and five seconds off the clock with them with two timeouts so uh, very impressive uh, just wheeling our way to a win huge performance does momentum carry over week to week in the playoffs I, I think it does I think it has to and I, and I think it's going to be the same for North Oconee. Uh, they weren't playing very well when we played them last time, and that was a long time ago. And now they, they are playing with great in, uh, uh, inspiration and great momentum. So um, I think for both of us it does, yes. Speak to that. Uh, I know uh, North Oconee, a team you did play, as you said, your first win of the season was against uh, North Oconee, but they're a different team now. You're a different team uh, yeah. than the way you guys were playing way back then. How, how, does, how does that even compare to what you're preparing for, I guess, on Friday? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, the kids are smart enough to understand that. I think you can see it. You can see it on the film on both of our sides. You can see the pace that we're playing is different, and the confidence that we're both playing with is different. So you, uh, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Again, your focus has to be you. I mean, scheming, we're going right. to scheme against the other team and everything that they're doing. They're going to do the same. But our focus has to be on us. And if we play at the level that we can play at, I, I don't believe I believe we can win every game. We can win this championship, but um, but if we don't, we'll lose. It's that simple. A lot of people ask what it takes to be an SEC quarterback. When you when you look at Garner, what are the traits that make him unique? Make him special? Uh, he has a lot. Uh, you're probably not going to think of my answer. My answer is his his mind. Uh, he one he's extremely aggressive you don't know it because he's always seems so composed and he's always just that handsome good look you know <laughs> not saying a whole lot but he's a, he, he's a fighter and he, he he has that motivation with him and then he has arm talent as good as I've ever seen I mean he can, he can really place the ball all over the field and again uh, he has had a, a tremendous year him and, and Justin Thomas I know Christian has said this to you a bunch like how many people ask you, I can't believe he's just going to play baseball. He's had an right. unbelievable season. But just speak to the amount of uh, athleticism you have, not only at quarterback, and but across your roster. You have a lot of guys who are really, really good at what you're asking them to do. Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to Coach Coleman and Coach DePhillips about this the other day, and I said, you know, this isn't always going to be the case. You know, this, <laughs> this is – enjoy this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but, yes, you obviously have Justin. You have a quarterback, you know, with like Holden, but then you, you – Cam Edge. Cam is actually quicker than both Justin and Zaquan hmm. in a 10-yard space. Now, open up, no, but but in a 10-yard space, he's quicker. And then you add uh, – of course, Zaquan is unbelievable. And then you add uh, Luke Cromenhawk into that mix. And then now we've got Ack Edwards back, and Lamont Mitchell's doing a great job, and just, just a number of guys. And we've got a young guy, Rayshon Matthews, who plays behind – Justin Thomas, but uh, he's going to be a really special uh, player as well. I know all of us fans are going to talk about three, four guys, but how vital is that balance if you're going to win a state title? You got, you got to have it. You got to have it to to win a state title. Here's what's so neat about it for me is you can have those guys, but in order to win a state title, you have to have the BC guy, and by that I mean. He was he was born with a BC blanket in his crib, and he he's going to BC regardless. And he 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 says I may not I may not ever start, or if I do, it'll be my senior year. And he plays special teams and just gives it everything he has. That's what actually wins it. There's those guys right there. And again, uh, North Oconee coming up uh, tomorrow night. Looking forward to being on the call uh, for that. Before we let you go, we'll talk something non your game with North Oconee SEC championship game yes, this weekend. I know you got a little bit of a tie-in with that one. How do you see that one going? Yeah, uh, well, one, I, 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 I just I'm nervous because it's Nick Saban, and I never, <laughs> ever, ever, ever bet against Nick Saban. And and I'm a huge Nick Saban fan, but I. I'm rooting for Georgia, and I think Georgia is a better football team. I don't think anybody can touch Georgia, to be honest with you. I think we'd all agree. Doesn't mean it'll happen, but yeah. all agree. And actually, um, um, my wife told me earlier she's got a, a first-class tickets to fly up Saturday and fly back Saturday night. And we have uh, some somehow she got her hands on some um, uh, uh, some uh, box seats. So uh, I'm excited, and Southern's <laughs> going to be there. So. 
So uh, I'll, I'll get no sleep <laughs> and be up there watching it and then fly back, and hopefully we win Friday. So then I'll have to drive back to Atlanta Sunday morning for the meetings uh, at the, at the uh, stadium. Absolutely. Hey, that's going to be – hopefully that all works out. But, uh, Danny Britt, we appreciate you coming by. We'll talk to you tomorrow, but I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Coach Danny Britt joining us here on 3 and Out. We'll come back with more from Coach's Corner on this Thursday afternoon. This is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Great place to come and watch the game, getting decorated up for Christmas. We saw cool St. Nick out back uh, there in the uh, the Sound Garden. They're going to have the SEC Championship game on this weekend. The best place to come, grab some uh, awesome food, burgers, wings, salads, sandwiches, you name it, right here at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. And, of course, we talked with uh, Danny Britt last segment. Georgia and Alabama got his thoughts. He said, look, if Georgia plays to a level, he didn't think Alabama can uh, can stick with him. I think a lot of people have that kind of sentiment looking at how Alabama has played. Now, Alabama, we we were kind of joking uh, about that on the ride from the studio here to Coach's Corner was, I mean, Alabama's 11-1. and I mean, they're, they're still a good team, but they're not having those dominating performances like we're used to seeing from Alabama, where even against good teams, it's 42-10. to 10. Uh, They're winning late. They're pull- I mean, that's a mark of a good team, a good program, when you're down and you need 94 yards in a minute to go tie the game up. You're able to do that. But, again, Alabama's A game, Georgia A game on Saturday. How do you feel the direction that thing goes? Well, I think that's a great question. I think that's a great question. I do think this is going to be a game that, that, that goes four quarters. I do not think this is going to be a game where... Well, by rule, it does have to go four quarters. Okay, thank you for that. What I mean, <laughs> the, the competitive nature of the contest goes yes. four quarters. What I'm saying is I don't think this is going to be a, a matchup where, you know, it would probably be Georgia, but where a team gets up kind of 21 to 10 and, and has a multi-score lead in the fourth quarter, that would surprise me. I, I think it's going to be a clash. And believe this, and Ben, you talked about it yesterday, all of this, Alabama has to have this go right, this go right, for us to have a chance. They're hearing that. This is maybe the proudest program in the country. Nick Saban, and you heard Coach Britt say, I don't like picking against Coach Saban. They're using that. They're channeling the fact that they are in the SEC championship game. They are college football's modern standard, and they are the underdog. And beyond that, Ben, they're probably the consensus underdog. I don't know that I've really talked to anybody who said, yeah, I think Alabama's going to win. And when you say it out loud, the say it out loud theory, you lost one game by three points, and nobody thinks you're going to win, and you're Alabama, it's kind of kind of nuts. Now, I think Georgia has earned the distinction they have of being the favorite. I do. But, I, Ben, I, I very much believe, it's not the focus of their preparation, but I very much believe Coach Saban in that state Staff are playing up the nobody believes in you card. Everybody thinks we've taken a step back. Uh, wow. It's, it's funny when we're talking about Alabama as if they slouches, right? We're talking about Alabama as if, like you said, Kevin, they lost one game, and that one game was by a field goal. You know what also happened in that game? That was the first time the Jimbo Fisher, I think, ever made you know a declaration in the in the in the offseason saying we're going to beat these guys. And so, a lot went crazy in that game. You had a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown for A and M. The hardest thing to do is what Bryce Young did against Auburn. Hasn't played hasn't played well the whole game. We need to drive to you know to, uh, to, uh, to take the game into overtime or what may have you. And he was able to call on it. I will say this about Alabama, I, and I say this all the time: Alabama never waved a sign and said we can't be beat. Alabama never ever said, "Man, we big bad Alabama." And yesterday, Kevin, you wasn't on. Brett, uh, we had a caller call and said, "Listen, it used to be you say Alabama like on Mufasa when you go Mufasa, and the, and the, and the hyenas go Mufasa, Mufasa." <laughs> but listen, I we never that up. we never said that about Nick Saban, right? But this is the thing. 
It's a week by week. LSU plays Alabama every year. Auburn plays Alabama every year. Texas A&M plays them every year. So you get used to playing them. They are building their teams to compete and beat Alabama. Texas A&M did it this year. But this is the thing about Alabama that should really, really make you nervous. Nobody's really talking about Alabama as a contender, right? And the thing about that is, is, Every week we have this narrative about Georgia going into these games, Arkansas, you know, Florida, coming out of the game as much as do about nothing. Georgia might have the better roster. Georgia might have the better team. So, see, the thing about Georgia is they haven't done what they're hoping to do on Saturday. They've never done it. I, I haven't seen them do it in a while. Kirby, Kirby Smart, as great as he is, it's something about that guy named Nick. I can't get over the hump. Now, it could happen on Saturday. But BJ and Kevin, when we say things like Georgia quote don't need this game, yes they do. No, too. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that narrative. I mean, I understand it from the standpoint of, well, you don't have to win this game yeah. to get in the college football playoff. Okay, that's fine. And again, I'm not speaking for Kirby Smart, but I know he's probably saying this. Look, we want to win this game once so we can be SEC champions. We want to win this game because that that does mean a lot. <clears throat> we want to win this game too because all conventional wisdom says if you win this game. Alabama is out. Yeah. And so they're done. You don't have to you don't have to worry about them again and you deal with the other four teams because I think that is one thing where uh again BJ we saw it like several years back Alabama LSU played had to play each other again. Uh and again I think in in football you'd rather not play a team a second time especially a second time that close um uh together. So if it's if it, if if this is if I'm Georgia I'm looking at this this is an elimination game. Maybe not for me, but for the team I don't want to play again. And there's again, it's it's no different than people saying, uh, you know, hey, you're, you're dodging the SEC, uh, Lincoln Riley. No, I'm being smart. Oh, what you have a problem playing out there? No, I only want to have to beat you one time. I want to beat you one time, and then you're done. I don't have to worry about it and move on. So I think this is a big game for Georgia, uh, Ben. I, I don't understand a narrative that it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in terms of if you lose. You don't get in the playoffs, but it does matter in that you get the big, bad beast on the block, Alabama, out of there. And I'm not saying I – mean, how many people do you think right now are pulling for Georgia that are named Michigan, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma, or, or those teams trying to get Cincinnati. in? Get them the heck out of there. I don't want to play them. Get them out of there. And so I, I think if you're Georgia, this is a uh, this is a big game. You can eliminate – Alabama, which has been the you know undisputed kind of king of college football uh, for the most part since Nick Saban has been there. I, I will say this: when you when you think about the SEC this year, right, it has been crazy. The SEC East did not did not they didn't they didn't do their part this year. It's a bunch of six and six teams with my Gators being one of them making making the bowl games. But think about SEC media day in twenty twenty two. Brian Kelly gonna be walking through there, right? Like what is Brian? You know, uh, you know, uh, a new head coach at LSU, right? If Nick Saban beats Georgia. Georgia goes on. Just say, just say Georgia goes on, still win the national championship. Just say they still go on and win it. <laughs> Nick Saban gonna walk in there and, and Kirby gonna look at him and go, dude. It's, I don't want to hear no asterisks. If you win it, you win it. But Kevin and BJ, you know just like I know, beating Sake Nick is the hardest thing to do. You know why Urban Meyer is famous? Cause he beat Nick Saban. You know why Dabo Sweeney is famous? Cause he beat Nick Saban. Think about that. All these big-time coaches because they beat Nick. So we'll see. I mean, Kirby Kirby is built to do it. This team is built to do it. But you got. To, but doing it in person is not talking about it during the week. I think Georgia, this is Georgia's best shot to do it. Because, B.J., you know, just like I know, the greatest thing you need in football is confidence. And if that is lost, 
the game is probably already lost. I, I listen, I'm I'm on this side. I, I have no horse in this race, but I just think at the end of the day, St. Nick, he's gonna he's gonna do his he's gonna he's gonna make sure his team give his best effort, which still might not be enough. But the big bad Georgia falls in the boys, you know, for, you know uh, Tuscaloosa. What is that? How does that shake up the college football landscape? And what does that do to the psyche of them Bulldogs? Yeah, I think I think the first couple of drives are going to have a real uh, impact on the psychology of the game because it's a huge showcase, clash of the titans. We all know that, but I I, I do wonder in the back of the minds of the Georgia players and coaches, is there a thought? Yeah, it's Alabama. Like we're we're better. We're better. We're number one in the country. We deserve to be the favorite. But it's Alabama and. I wonder if there's a couple of big plays or a, you know a score too early and maybe we're midway through the first and it's 10 to 10 to 3 or 13 to 3 does just a hint no, I'm not I don't talk, know about that, just, but... just a hint of well I say that for two reasons of 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 doubt creep in the only reason I say that is or the two reasons why I say that are it's Alabama and we've yet to see Georgia get over that Alabama hump also Georgia's not been in a game like that is if, if Georgia's down 13-3, I'm not saying I think that'll happen, but last couple of minutes of the first quarter, you're trailing. Alabama's dictating the ebb and flow of the game. They've scored a couple of times. When's the last time Georgia was in a game like that? Week one. Well, no, that game was 10-3. <laughs> no, you were never trailing by multiple scores. I mean, you have not trailed by multiple scores or trailed really this season. We've seen absolute dominance. Doesn't matter if you've played – uh, Arkansas was number eight in the country. Kentucky was number 11 in the country. You dominated that game. Now, there was kind of a, 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 a stagnation of sorts in the Clemson game and in the Florida game for the first half, but we have not seen Georgia have to respond. And I'm not even implying they can't. I'm saying that's something new. So if it's 13-3, to 14-6 early in the game, is, 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 is that a scenario that, yeah, you can be prepared for, but Georgia kind of doesn't know how they're going to respond until until they're in it, Ben. I think that's what they want. <clears throat> I know it's crazy. I think that's what Georgia wants. Because Georgia wants to be able to get every type of scenario they possibly can before okay. they get to the college football playoff. I don't want to be going in. I don't want I don't want my, my hardest game to be once I'm in the college football playoff. I want to have it with Georgia. But I will say this about the Georgia offense. What if they got to be patient for four quarters? Because, okay. see, as we know what Georgia's defense is. Georgia has the best defense. In college football, Alabama has the best defensive player in college football. Georgia has the best team, you know, uh, in college, you know, in college football. Alabama is the team to beat in college football. So storylines galore, BJ and Kevin. But I think that the one thing that Georgia did, the one thing that Georgia and Alabama have in common, though, a guy by the name of Stetson Bennett, he played this Alabama team last year, and they know what he likes to do. Mr. Brock Bowers, if Brock Bowers has a good game, I'll be very, very shocked. Who's gonna be that number two guy to beat to beat Alabama this weekend? They're gonna take away Brock Bowers, which is which is obviously uh, Stetson Bennett's number one target. They're gonna force him to go to number two. Can George he pick if he plays enough? Maybe. It, maybe. And, and, and even with the George Pickens situation, do you put him out there? Do you want George Pickens' first game back, really, to be against Alabama? Because it's the thing. They know what he can potentially do, and you're going to try to take him out. So many storylines, Kevin and BJ. I think that's why uh, the game is going to be incredible. But if Alabama looks at Georgia and said, can you blush? Do you flinch? Because if they can find they, if they can, if they can find a way to make this thing a four-quarter game, which you know it's going to be a four-quarter game no matter what, you know, I still think it favors Georgia. I just think that sometimes, you know, if you are Kirby Smart, if you are them Georgia Bulldogs, you want to look, man, I don't want to hear about who we fought this year. What about them dudes? Because if you can beat them, you can beat anybody. If you can beat Alabama, you can beat anybody. But if you can't beat Alabama, 
you got to say to yourself, like you said, BJ, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a really, really great team that just, you know, had a team like a, you know, like Alabama that you came up against, you didn't get it done. I don't see that being the case this year. I think Kirby has built this team to beat that team for Tuscaloosa. But until you do do it, you got to prove to yourself you can. I think he gets another shot come Saturday. It should be a tremendous uh, football game, as you said there. And, again, uh, the quarterbacks in this game, stories couldn't be really any different, right? One is a Heisman Trophy candidate, a highly recruited quarterback. The other is a guy who came back, got a scholarship, beat out, well, if you want to go straight down the depth chart, uh, beat out three and four, four and five-star guys uh, to, uh, to to get the starting job. Uh, just two completely different stories to get them to this game uh, on Saturday there in Atlanta. And it's a great pairing. I mean, Bryce Young's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy, or I, I should say at this point. He'll be a finalist at the worst. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if he has a bad showing on Saturday, maybe not. But Stetson Bennett's done an incredible job. And it, and, and it's not just of kind of being there while Georgia has, has, has won 12 games. It's helping lead the way, I mean, with his production and, and proficiency. And I have a story up on Southern Pigskin right now on, on Stetson. Uh, right now, he leads the nation in yards per play. I don't think most people appreciate that. He's averaging 10.07 yards per play, which is over a half yard more than anybody else in the country. And Christian and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. There's a chance, I don't know that it's likely, but there's a chance he's in the mix to possibly have the all-time record for yards per play in a single season. The all-time record for yards per play in a single season, Kyler Murray in 2018 averaged 10.37 yards per play. If Stetson has a couple of big performances, he could be in that mix if he gets to the minimum statistical threshold for total yardage but uh he is right now second in the nation in passer rating the only quarterbacks in college football history who have had higher passer ratings than stetson bennett for a single season are joe burrow rg3 jalen hurts mac jones baker mayfield kyler murray tua tungavailoa russell wilson and zach wilson that's it that's it and granted the season's not over yet but but stetson's really doing a great job I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. I listen, listen. I, I, I am not a Georgia Homer, people. I am not. You know, no, no. What? That, that, what? That, just sound the breaking news. Just, just, shh. This No, no, no. This, this, this is what this is what I want to tell y'all. Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Tua, Cam. If Stetson Bennett pulls this off, he goes undefeated and wins another championship. BJ. We might be talking about the greatest story for a quarterback in college football history when you factor everything in. He don't need the Heisman. He don't need to go on to be the number one overall pick. A guy that wasn't on campus got Georgia back to the promised land and went undefeated. His name is Stetson. Last <laughs> name, your cousin, Bennett. We'll see what happens. Got a comment from uh, from Adam Fisher there on Facebook. Kirby has these guys focused. We've seen them struggle against teams. I guess them, meaning uh, Alabama, struggle against teams that Georgia has shut out or beaten by 20. We're ready. He dropped the weir uh, in there. They're not afraid of Bama. Dogs by 50. Well, well I mean. I don't I, know about that. Yeah. Not, so. I don't know. I mean, yes, Georgia's the favorite. Georgia very much could win. If it's 50, who sent that comment? Because we got to give them credit. Adam? If that happens, Adam, if that happens, you get to open the show on Monday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you're just coming on. Dude, you called Georgia to win by 50. So if that happens, he's opening the show. Are you show. saying you feel pretty good it won't be Well, 50. no, I'm just saying. Yeah, he, yeah I know. I, 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 feel, I feel pretty he's, good. It, I feel pretty good it won't but, be. Because, BJ, once again, you don't want to waste points, as you say, in a mm-hmm. game if you don't need it. But I do want to address this quickly. I, 
I have seen that narrative a lot of, well, Alabama only beat these teams by, by you know, this this total. We, I don't think that matters. And, Ben, you've helped me understand that, that week to week there is, there is no carryover. There is no transitive property. And it would make me a little nervous that Alabama for a couple of weeks in a row hasn't looked right because I don't think it's likely that Alabama has four or five bad games in a row. Normally when Alabama struggles, and we're talking about relative struggles, they address it, they fix it, they get better. So I think it's going to be a great game on Saturday. We've got so much more to get to here on this Thursday. We're coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come on out and join us. Grab you something good to eat. All the games on here. And, of course, the SEC Championship game coming up this weekend. This is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Yeah, you told me that. I was like, Christian, like, Good to have you back here at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you are with us. Come on out and join us. Grab you something good to eat. Come talk some uh, football with us here on the show as well. As we uh, Again, look at the SEC Championship game, uh, BJ and Ben. Uh, Alabama and Georgia, a big one, certainly. Uh, you look at the uh, the Big 12 Championship game. It's going to have a lot of ramifications with what happens. I mean, just the craziness of this week. I wasn't on with you guys uh, earlier this week. I mean, just the whole Brian Kelly thing. I mean, Notre Dame potentially could get in this thing, and Brian Kelly's out the door uh, to LSU. So uh, this thing's coming down to the last weekend uh, with who's in and who's out. And, and certainly we know Georgia, I think, is in regardless. Alabama trying to punch their ticket. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue still to take place here, final weekend of college football. And I think something you mentioned a moment ago is especially true. Everybody in college football is rooting for Georgia. And it's not just, and it's not <laughs> well, just mean, because of, of Alabama fatigue. Maybe there's some of that. But if Alabama wins, the SEC is taking up two slots. So the rest of college football gets, gets two slots. Right. If Alabama loses, it opens the door, we, we, we assume. Now, I mean, I, well, I guess it could get weird. You never know with Alabama. But I feel comfortable saying if Alabama loses, even by a field goal at the end, they're out. So then you're talking about Notre Dame the winner of Baylor, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati if they beat Houston. I mean, you talk about it getting weird too, Ben. I mean, what if what if what if Alabama loses, Oklahoma State loses, Cincinnati loses? I mean, there's a chance Michigan loses that could could, could an Ohio State? I mean, get get back into this thing. So, a lot of football left on Saturday. Yeah, and the thing about it is, you know, when you think about a game of this magnitude, yes. The fact that if Georgia, if Georgia wins, I mean, you know, Kevin and BJ, that's, that's going to make things a lot more easier for the college football playoff committee. But for the Kevin Thomas chaos, you know, meter, <laughs> if Georgia loses, Cincinnati loses, Michigan loses, 
Now you thinking maybe how does two loss does a two loss Ohio because what because one thing about it, the Cincinnati Cincinnati understood. Hey man, this is the assignment. We got to beat Notre Dame. We got to win every game. How tight you think Cincinnati's going to be on Saturday? Knowing hey. Oh, well, if we win, that oh, should be it. Well, I mean, they, better, they better worry about Houston. That's a nationally. Well, that's what I'm saying. Exactly, but 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 even with that, Kevin, you know how you know how crazy it is. I mean, Cincinnati gonna be saying, man, yeah, way back when we had a chance to be in the college football playoff, and then Georgia loses to Alabama, and then Michigan loses. So think about it. So you you depending on Kirby, you depending on Harbaugh. I mean, because I think I think a very very dangerous team if and when chaos happens, if Oklahoma State gets in, that could be very very dangerous for the competition because they had to run the gauntlet as well. We got more to come here from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Take three around the corner and more. It's three and out. Welcome back, hour two here of three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us here on this Thursday. We are coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive. In Thunderbolt, coming out and join us. Have something great to eat, something cold drink. Get ready for a big night of football. Uh, you'll have Thursday night football here uh, at Coach's Corner. Big weekend of football. Have the conference championship games on here uh, at Coach's Corner as well. Of course, great food, great atmosphere here at uh, Coach's Corner on Victory Drive. Fellas, it is 4 o'clock even when we're at Coach's Corner. We'll take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one. Who is the most important player on the field? on Saturday in Atlanta. Not for each team, the most important player on the field on Saturday. I think it's Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams because I think in a game where uh, it's going to be hard for either offense to go on a 10-12 play drive, you're going to need the big plays. You're going to need the highlights. You're going to need the home runs. And Jamison Williams is literally the best player in college football at that. He leads the nation with 22.3 yards per play uh, all purpose. And right now, uh, that's including his special teams returns there, but right now is averaging 21 yards per catch, which is which is absolutely absurd. I mean, you don't see numbers like that. And he's been on an absolute tear. Now, he got ejected early, if you remember, in the Iron Bowl for actually targeting while tackling on a special teams play. But in his last three games before that, three games, he has 24 catches, 508 yards, and seven touchdowns. So he's balling. He's feeling it. He's got a great rapport with with Bryce Young. I just don't see teams going on these kind of modest games. You get five, seven, eight, and you go on a 10, 12-play drive. I don't see that happening against these defenses. you got to get it at once. And Jamison Williams can do that offensively and on special teams. Remember, he had two punt returns for a touchdown in the same game earlier in the season. So love the defensive guys, the quarterbacks. I get all that. But you got to have home runs if you're going to have a chance. It sounds crazy to say, especially if you're the underdog like Alabama. So I think it's Jamison Williams. The most important player to me, I think it's very, very simple, BJ. And it's Stetson Bennett. Because the thing about it is, is you know what to expect from that front seven from Georgia. You know what those guys are going to do. You know how much pressure they're going to keep on that Alabama defense. Stetson Bennett, the mailman, cool, calm, collected. You're not asking him to go out there and be 350 yards, four touchdowns. You're saying, Stetson, we need you to make a play every quarter. Every single quarter, we need you to make a play to put us in a position to score points. I'm not saying you got to put us in a position to score separate points, but if you do, that's great. Put us in a position every single, every single quarter to make sure you're putting points on the board. Listen, because if you don't think 
you know, uh, if you don't, to me, as stifling as this defense is being kept in the BJ, if you don't think 12, maybe 20, you know, 20, or 15 to 20 points can win this game, I think it can. So for me, it's that's the benefit BJ because you can't be the most efficient quarterback in college football, uh, you know, without making sure you're keeping your, your team ahead of the chains, not turning the football over, putting them in the right play, taking what the defense giving you, and make a play every quarter. Give me Mr. Stetson Bennett. Uh, yeah, I could. Be. I, I think it is going to be Stetson Bennett because he's, he's the, the guy that I think if he plays a if he plays a solid game, George is in really good position, really good position. But that defense, uh, with what they're able to do, if Stetson Bennett goes out and plays a very solid Stetson Bennett football game, to me he's the most important player out there uh, because he's the one distributing. I think we already know kind of what Bryce Young can do, but that defense is going to have to make enough stops uh, for Alabama. Uh, as well, and that offensive line is going to have to protect Georgia's defense from getting after uh, Bryce Young. But I think Stetson Bennett, most important player on the field uh, there on Saturday. So, again, looking forward to that. It's uh, going to be quite the showdown, uh, as we talked about uh, there as well. All right, take two, fellas. What is the most intriguing conference championship game? I'll allow you to define, define what intriguing means, but there's a lot that could be decided on championship Saturday around college football in terms of the playoffs, who's in, who's out. Which game is the most intriguing this weekend in the conference championship game? Well, I think it's the ACK, as you like to say, Kevin. I think it's the American Athletic Conference, and the reason is because you're talking about potentially changing the landscape of college football. We have never, ever seen a group of five team make the playoff or in the modern era, if you want to call it that, compete for an FBS or 1A national championship. And that is very much on the horizon. Now, it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee if Cincinnati wins that they get in. They're going to probably need some help, maybe need some help. But I, I, I think it's the most interesting because it, 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 it creates the most impactful conversation. If Cincinnati wins and they do get in, you're talking about Cincinnati in the Final Four, literally competing directly for a national championship. If Cincinnati wins and they don't get in, then you're talking about what's wrong with the system? How is this possible? How can they do that? And maybe that adds to the urgency to change the playoff. If they lose, uh, maybe that adds to the conversation. Oh, well, they couldn't handle the big stage, whatever the narratives are going to be. I'm not saying that's fair, but I think it is absolutely the act championship game. Of course, no, it's not, BJ. And I listen because the thing about it is, it doesn't matter. Cincinnati doesn't control his own destiny. You know, uh, if Al- if Alabama goes out there and beats Georgia, Cincinnati, like, oh man, because they- because Cincinnati needs help. So what? So the most intriguing is 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 the SEC championship game for what it means. Georgia, Georgia, everybody gonna be watching uh, the scoreboard. They're gonna, Cincinnati gonna be watching it because they know they are gonna need Alabama to be out in order for them to have a chance. Not to get necessarily. In. Not necessarily. Well, well, think about this, BJ. Look, most if you think about Michigan. Oklahoma State, Alabama, Georgia's of the world, they have earned the benefit of the doubt. They have the national intrigue. People know who they are, even if they've never watched them play. But you mentioned Cincinnati, people think you talk about Joe Burrow. If they can talk about, you know, uh, you know, anybody not named a Cincinnati Bearcats. So for me, it is, it is an SEC championship game for two reasons. One, if, Alabama, if you could get Alabama out the way, everybody goes, because ah, nobody wants to play them. Number two, if Alabama does win, that makes everything different. Because now the most intri- the, mo- the hardest position to be in is the number four team in the college football playoff. But when you only got two slots, if it comes down to two, BJ, you think Cincinnati is going to be one of those two? If, if the SEC gets I two think, teams in. I think what it comes down to is, no, I, obviously Cincinnati and everybody wants Georgia to win. I think what it comes down to is 
what happens in the Big 12 championship game. If Oklahoma State wins, because keep in mind right now Cincinnati's fourth, Cincinnati's number four, but if Oklahoma State wins and does so impressively, do they jump over? I think they would because you have two top ten, top ten wins in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think that uh, that is certainly something to come into. To, and you put it in perspective, Oklahoma State would have more top ten wins in the last two weeks than Cincinnati would have had the entirety of the season. How does that factor in? I, I, I don't know. But, uh, again, I would think, again, just the committee itself would lean towards power conference team over Cincinnati. It may not be right, but uh, – I think that's the way it would go. Uh, to me, the intrigue for me, BJ, is as much as I hate to say it, because I think we know one team is already in for the SC. I think the most intriguing one to me right now is Big Ten. And you say, why? Because I think if Michigan loses to Iowa, that opens the door for Notre Dame. That opens the door for is Ohio State back in it, potentially, uh, to, to, to get there. I, I think that is where some intrigue and if Michigan wins they're in but I think that is enough where if Iowa beats Michigan it's going to get weird because don't think you won't see a lot of school accounts all of a sudden going to Twitter going hey you know trying to put out the narrative of why why, why should we be in so I think that one is the one if it does not go Michigan and it goes Iowa that opens up a whole lot of doors uh there's the who gets in because now the Big Ten's gonna be like, are we not going to get a team in period are we not going to get one in? Are we not going to get what's all about? Are we not going to get that check? So, I mean, that is uh, that is something certainly to watch. I think that one is the most intriguing. All right, moving along. Take three uh, here, fellas. How bad will a prolonged lockout hurt Major League Baseball coming off a 2020 COVID-shortened year, which a lot of folks said was pretty exciting, a year this last year where you had uh, the Braves make a magical run. I know that's kind of biased from where we are locally, but – you also had the Red Sox back in the playoffs. The Astros were in the playoffs. A pretty dynamic MLB playoffs in uh, in 2021. And you follow that up right into lockout. I think it would be pretty devastating. And and by that, I don't mean that, you know, baseball no longer matters nationally. But it, it, it's amazing how quickly people lose interest, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, you're not playing. And you're not playing for an indefinite period of time. I mean, we've heard speculation, and it's almost irresponsible to, to guess, but we've heard speculation this could carry into the summer. I mean, and if that happens, you're not just talking about some spring training games. But I think two things. If you're not there, and normally that is baseball's time after the NCAA tournament. And of course, I, I, I know you have the draft, but you don't have the NBA. You don't have the National Football League. You don't have college football outside of spring. That is the front and center showcase for Major League Baseball. And if you're saying you're not going to be there, people are going to people are going to move on. I, you know, relatively speaking. And then if you talk about the fact that you're not going to be there because you can't agree with sums of money at play that people can't even fathom. I don't think that's something that a lot of people want to deal with or hear about. Like, oh my goodness, y'all are arguing, you know, who gets 100 billion versus who gets 99 billion or million or trillion or whatever it is. That's not something people want to hear or deal with. Hey, figure it out. You get paid a lot. Owners and players go out there and play. And I'm not saying there's not nuance or context to it and that both sides, whatever, don't have their argument they're trying to push. But you're not playing. You're not playing in a time that's normally when the bright lights are on you. And you're not playing because you want more money. Millionaires arguing with billionaires. People don't want to deal with that. 
it's going to really, really hurt uh, baseball, BJ and Kevin, because I think there isn't a bigger, uh, you know, fan-driven sport. You got so many games from so many teams, and let's and we we are already a year removed from not having fans in the stands because of COVID. So you're telling me now we're not going to have baseball at all? And BJ, no, this is this isn't millionaires versus billionaires. This is Mike Trotterman versus the rest of baseball. Because this is about the middle class, Kevin, something me and you talked about. We get so caught up. Baseball is about the teams, right? It's about the teams. The Dodgers, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Braves. We get it. Then you got certain guys on that team. Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, you know, and so on and so forth. But who makes up the team are the role players. The guys who, they're not in the negotiating table. They, if they, if when they sign their contracts, it might be on the ESPN bottom line for one for one go round, and that's it. They're not signing 250. They ain't breaking news. That's who gets hurt the most because the guys who make the most money also make money away from baseball. They're making money in endorsements. So now there's no baseball, and this is what really hurts you. The worst commissioner in pro sports. <laughs> My goodness is what you got to deal with, but this only profits the owner. The owners are saying, "All right, man, y'all, y'all didn't, y'all didn't want to come to the negotiating table. You're gonna have the powers that be being the biggest name players in the league, sneaking on behalf of the guys that don't make as much money. Because I understand that Kevin, we talked about it. I mean, Scherzer making more money than a full franchise for certain teams. When you look at it, this is gonna cut. This it's gonna hurt because the fans are saying, "Look, man, we want baseball. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of dedication. You're gonna throw all that away. And you're right. Perception is what drives any sport." If there is nothing to drive the sport, you're going to lose that fan base. So, yes, it is going to hurt extremely. It's going to hurt uh, bad, Kevin, because we talked about this in 2020. Hey, man, they still got to go to the collective bargain agreement. I say, yeah, and we thought they could get something negotiated. But, hey, man, these, uh, I think, notice, when it comes to owners, they already think the players are getting too much. So they're, they're not trying to give them any more, but they're going to have to come. They're going to have to cool ahead. going to have to prevail, Kevin, because we can live with no spring baseball. But you're talking about regular season games. Come on, man. You just had an incredible season, and you just had a season of 60 games. You don't want to try to get back yeah. to that. And, again, we can, we can talk more about this as it goes in depth. But, I mean, I just look at it and say, hey, for for the world we now live in, uh, BJ and Ben, and this is, I think, true for any. I don't think anybody's necessarily immune to it. Because, I mean, people would say this about the NFL, Ben. Oh, they can go on strike. We'll come back. It's fine. No. The biggest thing of, of, about sports and movies or what, is what? Is getting people's time. If it's not there, then they'll fill it with something else. Now, there are diehards like me that love baseball. Baseball comes back. I'll be right back there consuming your sport. But that's not everybody. That's not growing the game. I think, uh, does baseball have problems? Yes. So many problems that they can't potentially start a season on time? I don't know about that. But I, I think a prolonged work stoppage will affect both sides. And I think that's the the thing about these negotiations. Are there uh, realistic things that can be negotiated? Yes, and I think most people would all agree on those. Shouldn't keep you from getting to a season. That will hurt the game. Not even just because, oh, it's long, it's boring, it's this and that. No, it hurts the game because you're not there, right? I mean, you're not there. Why was there such a rush? I look at NASCAR. Has seen a little bit of a resurgence in their fan base. And you go, what was that attributed to NASCAR saw a problem. Hey, we have COVID. Nobody's playing. Nobody's doing anyway, anything. There's a way for us to put on our product. Right now, we'll do it safely. We have 30 teams. We'll spread them out. We'll have no fans. And we'll put on a race on Wednesday night, and we'll put it on TV. Because there's no sports, there's nothing else. People will watch, and we'll try to captivate audience. And I think they were able to do that. Can't do that if you're not playing. And, again, the argument is, well, we got financial problems that we got to sort out. I'm sorry. You just gave a 37-year-old $130 million for three years. 
richest contrast. And, and I understand, hear that. That's hear what I'm that. saying. That's what I'm saying. So we got uh, they got a lot to work out. We'll talk more about that as we go throughout the show. Come on out and join us here at Coach's Corner. That's take three. We do it every day this time. It's three and out. Live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out live in Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Of course, no better place to come than right here, Coach's Corner, to watch all the big games. And they'll have the SEC Championship here this weekend out in the Sound Garden. So a lot of folks can get together and watch Georgia and Alabama right here at Coach's Corner. We encourage you to come out and have some great food, wings, sandwiches, salads, more. And, of course, a full selection uh, here at uh, Coach's Corner of uh Adult beverages, beer, liquor, and more. Uh, so come on out and, uh, and join us here at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive. Have a great time with us. Baseball in the lockout, official as of last night. And, BJ, talk about winning in the court of public opinion because we said this last year uh, during COVID, Ben. Uh, we said, look, when they're trying to figure out the 60-game schedule, the longer this goes on, people are going to say, I don't care what the owners are saying. Come on, players. I want to see you play, right, because the owners are faceless. Liberty Media – we know that Terry McGurk is kind of in charge, but who's the guy that makes the makes the final decision? I don't know. Somebody at Liberty Media somewhere. So you see these guys, and uh, some of them are faceless uh, entities that own these teams. I think at the end of the day, there's going to be pressure to get it done. And, and, and here's the, the other thing, BJ, I think really uh, hurts the argument for both sides. Hey, it's money. we got to figure this out. Excuse me. Max Scherzer just got $143 million, $134 million. He's 37. That's $43 million a season. He's 37. Look at all the free agent signings that have taken place. You're talking record-breaking deals. I saw somebody tweet out last night. Just this offseason, MLB teams have spent more money on free agents than they have ever in the history of baseball. They've spent a whole bunch of money already. So how are you going to cry poor when you're handing out $43 million a year contracts when you have the Washington Nationals paying Max Scherzer another $15 million to not pitch for them? You're seeing guys get huge contracts all over the place. Are there issues that need to be worked out? Yes, but I don't know if you're going to start going in there saying, we're trying to figure out the money. Ah, uh, y'all both got plenty, right? I mean, and, and, and are, are there are there things that need to be addressed with the money? Yes, but again, not in overcomable uh, obstacles, in my estimation. Now, uh, Ben, we talked about this, and I'm interested to get your thought from like an NFL standpoint, but one of the contention points for uh, Major League Baseball players is like, hey, we're trying to look out for the, quote, middle class of Major League Baseball because what teams are doing is you got the Bryce Harper deals, you got the Mike Trout deals, you got the Max Scherzer deals, then you got the, hey, I'm on a rookie deal deals and first-year arbitration guy deals who I'm getting about a million, million two, and then the guys in the middle – are your Adam Duvalls and guys like that who are getting two, three million dollars? Now that now now that is now that is good money. But I saw uh, the guys on ESPN last night were saying over the past decade to fifteen years, the middle class guy in the Major League Baseball has seen their average contract go from about eleven million dollars down to I think it was like three point one. 
So you've had a pretty precipitous drop in what a non-megastar, non-rookie guy is getting uh, compared to everybody else. And I think you're seeing it reflected uh, in the way teams operate where, hey, we'll pay our superstars and we'll give our guys rookie deals who make major league minimum. Anybody that wants a modicum of money will probably just trade and try to make it work uh, work that way. I do think baseball definitely has some infrastructure issues. I think that goes without saying that you're talking about a sport where you have the top, you have the bottom, and really there's not a whole lot of balance and parity like there is in the in, in the National Football League, for example. And the, the, the salary differences are overwhelming. I mean, I think you said, Kevin, that – and this is stunning to think about. Yeah. You say it, but think about it. Max Scherzer – this season, next season, if whenever the next season yeah. is, will make more than like three or four entire teams. Their whole rosters will make, and I I, I get that there are some. That's twenty six yeah, guys. Yeah, I get <laughs> there are concerns with that, and I have some relative sympathy for that situation. But I also think it's going to be really hard. You talk about kind of convincing the public that you know this is worth stopping the sport over. When you know times are times are tough, and you're seeing headlines of, and it's not everybody, but you're seeing headlines: hundred million dollar contracts, hundred and fifty million dollar contracts. I believe a two hundred and fifty million dollar contract recently for Corey Seager, uh, and even for the you know for the guys that aren't making that money. I think it's still hard for the average person to look at a a news headline that says player X is making three, four, five million dollars a year, but the game was going to shut down. The sport is going to stop, which keep in mind, doesn't just, and I have sympathy for, you know, the, the, the players who aren't going to get paid, but you're talking about staffers, you're talking about restaurants, hotels, small businesses, vendors, merchandisers who, who depend on that, 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 that energy, that consistent play from, from, from the sport to, to be fiscally viable. So I think it's really hard for people to hear that and go, you're not going to play because four million is not enough. You're not going to play because a million's not enough, and I'm not saying there isn't any val- uh, validity to that, but I think that's not going to sit well. At the end of the day, this—I mean—something that happened when I was in the National Football League is going on right now, and I know guys don't like to hear this. When you are the face of something, man, you, your job is to take a loss. Your job is to be able to go out there and negotiate for the guys who's never. There are guys in Major League Baseball. You could put up. You could put. I don't know, Kevin. Maybe a hundred guys together ain't going to make what Scherz is going to make in a year. They're not going to make that type of money, but they're still on the team. So I'm thinking it ain't the million, It is the millionaires versus the millionaires. It, it is that. But it comes down to something very, very simple. Man, we go into the negotiating table. We're saying, dude, what is it going to take? Now, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Bryce Harper, if I'm, you know, Mike Trout, I'm saying, look, fella, look, look, Bryce, we're doing this for the rest of the league because baseball is the rest of the league. It's not just us two. We are headliners, you know. Neither one of us, think about it, we win the we MVPs. Thank God they ain't judging us on World Series. Thank God they ain't judging Mike Trout on making the playoffs. But I can still make a 400-something-million-dollar contract. And I'm not mad at him. Every sport has a headliner. But the problem is the rest of the league is what you are trying to negotiate on behalf of. I mean, when I was in the National Football League, I never, ever thought that I would have to be a spokesman for guys who's no longer playing. But not being a former player, and I have guys calling me saying, hey, Ben, you see they're trying to take players' benefits away, what stuff you went out there and earned? Yeah. So the current players are saying the, play, the guys have paved the way for them. They don't need their benefits. That's what's going on right now. Baseball is made – no, no. Pro sports is made up of role players, special teamers, 
Guys that, you know, uh, utility players, Kevin, guys that can, you know, switch hitters, guys that can play both shortstop and pitch. Yeah. If we, if we got, but the problem is when it comes to negotiating for them is, man, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, the biggest names in sports make money two ways. They make money on the field or on the baseball diamond, and they make endorsements. One guy, all I got is this. My livelihood is getting checks. Bryce Harper sitting at home saying, take as long as you want. I bet you can. People say Bryce Harper, not Bryce Harper, but uh, Mike Trout. He want to be a weatherman. He's also <laughs> going to have, you know, a half a billion dollars when he's done. So I think what happens in these situations is this. You don't win when you go to the negotiating table with people that all they do is negotiate. Owners, owners saying, hey, man, listen, the reason why we are owners is because we don't play baseball. We kill y'all at this negotiating table. And the lad, now they got to sit there and say, all right. We was going to give y'all 50%. Now it's went down to 49. What y'all going to do? Because every day y'all don't play hurts y'all. Because we still getting 49, whatever the, whatever the, whatever the revenue breakdown right. is. And, and at the end of the day, the, the, the guys who, the, if the commission of baseball, if Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or, you know, the big names call his phone, he's going to pick up. I met Roger Goodell one time when he came to see the Titans. I, if I call Roger, he's going to, Who? <laughs> who are you, Paul Tackle, but who? So I think this comes down to the best players doing this on – if the best players do this on behalf of the of the, of the the middle class, Kevin, yeah. this this will go away and this will go away. But this is what it really be. Negotiations will be bigger than that. You're talking about players that's playing and players that no longer play because the one thing that CBAs don't like, they don't care nothing about the players that have come and gone. If you are no longer helping them, you're no longer putting people in the seats, helping them sell beer and all this stuff, they don't care nothing about you. So those, 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 those you know, that, that part of the contract is what can hold stuff up. But the fact that they've gotten a lockout, I mean, if you are a baseball fan, you should be very, very well, nervous because it's going to be hard for them to come to some type I, of time. I think there are things that when you sit back and you look at it, that, that, have, that baseball's come around and been – have negotiated and got done. We now have minor leaguers who are going to have housing where they play. They don't get they didn't get paid a lot of money, but now the teams are going to have housing for them. They're gonna, that's that's new, but that obviously was negotiated, right? That, that I, I think you look at some things that should not be hard. A minimum threshold of spending, right? Max Scherzer is going to make forty three million. The whole Orioles payroll right now is thirty six. The Entirety of the, I think, Cleveland payroll is like 40. Uh, the entirety of uh, who uh, who else was uh, down there near the bottom? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here. But they were at like a, a $38 million uh, payroll. Probably you, the A's. Or, you, yeah. can't, you, you can't, I, I think, foster a competitive environment. And, again, how do you make teams better? Hey, we'll give you money, but if every mid- to low-market team is like, I'm just not going to spend. Well, if you can't meet a minimum threshold, maybe you don't need to own the baseball team. And I'm not saying you need to spend like the Yankees, but I think there should be a minimum. In the NFL, why is everything Supposedly so competitive. One, because the draft sets up to be competitive. I don't think you do that in baseball because it takes so long to get prospects there. But there's also a minimum amount of money you have to spend on your team. Right? And so there's teams going over. But there are teams that are not meeting a minimum threshold. And I'm like, you sit there and look, the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's who it was. The Pirates. The Cleveland. All these teams. Could you be a more substantial franchise a more competitive franchise, a more stable franchise, if you just spent a minimum amount of money to keep guys there, to keep star players there, instead of, up oh, getting a big contract, we'll see you. I think that is a problem uh, for Major League Baseball, that's, and that's one that should not be hard to fix. If you're an owner, hey, yeah, you got to spend more money, but I think this really is, yeah, if you are an owner that looks like you give a crap and you actually spend money, maybe people will show up more and you make more money. And so I think that's one... 
the stuff to me, like the universal DH, all that, to me, that's such nonsense that could be negotiated very easily uh, in, in the game of baseball. But the stuff like that, I think a minimum spend, how you split it up, how much mid guys are getting paid, uh, to me, and, and again, that's something Ben said, I think that's something where really the hard problem to solve is you got to get at the heart of those agents and some of those big-name players and goes, you know what, maybe you don't take $400 million. Maybe you don't take $350 million so that the rest of the league can get paid potentially what they're worth and we're not letting guys go, paying them rookie minimums because we're giving you $400 million. And again, if I'm Bryce Harper and somebody puts $400 million in front of me, you can't hand me a pin fast enough. I'm not blaming. I'm just saying that could be a potential problem. Where you're saying, look, in order to keep the mid-level guys in, who are the, the as you said, been the meat of your league. You got stars, and you got guys who are out there grinding out, making uh, you know obviously good money. Got to figure out a way to make that happen. To me, it's not. It shouldn't be something that's worth canceling the season over, and certainly something that you're sitting here in early December saying, yeah, maybe June. Uh, like, no, 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 no. This is this should not be that difficult. I remember when they had they was getting ready to have a lockout with the NFL. It lasted uh, a quick second, and uh, the uh, owners used it as leverage to get the the NBA, the NFL, as I think the only uh, league that has ten year CBA. You got a ten year CBA. The world it changes in three years. You got a ten year. So for the next ten years, you're gonna be operating under this. I remember one of the, the Pouncey twins. They called each other up. They were saying, "Listen, hey man, if this guy's on our team, that's going that's going to need some extra dollars to, to get through this lockout. I'm willing to, to, to give him some money, man. That way, think about it. I got enough money to say, hey man, I'm gonna take five of you guys and Drew. You know, it's like that's how that's how big uh, the revenue split is. Look, I, Kevin, if they fit to give you four hundred million, you have to take it because if you say no, you're making it worse on the next sure, yeah. superstar. But it's not the one guy getting the four hundred million. You still got enough money. Whoever is the face of any franchise is supposed to be making the most money in that sport. I, I get that part. You're doing that more for not, not just for you but for the next great superstar. But the problem is you're doing something now that you're not good at. You don't want to go to no negotiation tables with owners. They're going to own you, literally. <laughs> they really, really are because this is what they do. They know that you don't. I have an agent. You know why? Because I don't understand countries. I play the sport. I, I didn't know the, I didn't know what a good contract was or a bad contract was. I know that I needed I needed somebody to negotiate a contract. You know who he was negotiating with? Them owners. You know you let them owners know. Nope, my client ain't gonna take that. I'm gonna make sure you guys give me the best offer. But now it's it's the players versus the owners. Oh my goodness! Now whatever you thought you was gonna get, you're not gonna get that because you let it get to this point. Yeah. And like you said, Kevin, it is a bunch of no names. But the one thing owners don't like is lost revenue. I, they they still probably trying to recover from 2020. You only played 60 games, and you didn't have nobody in the stands when you did that. So I do think, BJ, they're going to – cooler heads are going to prevail because you know who's going to be saying we got to play? It's the no-name players, the guys who – we don't get jersey sales. The only people wear my jersey is my family. I'm not <laughs> I'm not helping MLB making any more money. So I think sometimes we got a mis- big misconception. The average player in the National Football League does not make a million dollars. People think, mm-mm. If I can give one guy 40 and I'm giving another guy 10 and I'm giving another guy 6 and we got to pay 50, 50 more guys, 
and we got to put it under the salary cap. So I, I just think it's going to come down to those those uh, those faces, those big names going to the table saying, what is it going to take to get this thing going? Relay that down to the – make sure you're taking care of the, the quote, uh, you know, middle of the pack, Kevin. Uh, you know, and, and maybe you can get some baseball going. But I do think right now the owner's sitting back laughing because they say these dudes really think they know more than us. You are who you are because of us, not the other way around. We know who Mike Trout is because he plays in the majors. And we would be here had he never signed a contract. But now – we're going we gonna to see how long this thing going to draw, but Kevin, it's, it, it, it's going to be a lot of doom and gloom. we got more to come here. It's 3 and Out Live from Coach's Corner all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back to 3 and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Stop by and join us. Grab something good to eat here on this Thursday evening as we're talking college football. Uh, coming up here, Georgia-Alabama in the SEC Championship game. Going to be on the TVs here out in the Sound Garden on Saturday afternoon here as those two clash in Atlanta. But you look at the way this thing could get shaped up, obviously, with Georgia and Bama uh, playing the winners in. If Georgia loses, they're probably still in. Look at the Big Ten, the Big 12, Pac-12 even. Uh, where do you see some of these things shaping up? Obviously, Notre Dame is not playing, and that was, again, something you guys have talked about I didn't get to, but you know Brian Kelly potentially jumping ship, obviously for a lot of money, but his team, depending on how it plays here on Championship Saturday in Notre Dame, could be in the college football playoff. How do you see some of this stuff potentially shaking out? Did you just mention the Pac-12 and the college football playoffs? I said, you know, even like you got to throw it out. Who's, who's playing? I'm the Pac-12 sorry. Championship game. That would be Utah and Oregon. Talk to him, Whoa. Kevin. Talk to him. Whoa, I, Talk I, to him. I, I didn't know you were big on the West Coast. <laughs> no, we're, we're 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 huge Kyle Whittingham fans uh, here uh, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. I right. I, uh, I I daily hear uh, Christian talk about the uh, the exploits and career uh, resume of Kyle Whittingham. Uh, and what he's done in college football. Okay, so just for clarification before we move forward, because you mentioned it, what scenario gets the Pac-12 into the college football playoff? Total, absolute chaos. Everybody quits. I don't, <laughs> don't want to play it. Done. Done. Yeah, I, it's uh, it, it has the potential to be a mess. It has the potential to be pretty simple, too. I mean, for as much as normally we generally have a sense for what's going to happen if this scenario happens, I think – there's a lot of uncertainty. There's the potential for a lot of uncertainty. And I do think the X factor in some respects is Notre Dame. And there are a couple of spots out, but something feels wrong about Notre Dame sitting back and watching everybody else play and watching, you know, for example, if you're Alabama, I think I think it would be fairly reasonable for them to say, we've lost one game by three points. We play in the best conference in America, in the toughest division in America, and if we lose to the number one team in the country – even by three points, we're not in the playoff. Well, is Notre Dame playing the number one team in the country? Is Notre Dame playing Georgia? So so we're punishing Alabama for having to play Georgia. And I always struggle with the idea that we punish teams for playing tougher competition. You know, I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know that there is a right answer, but there's a chance. And I'm not faulting Notre Dame. It is what it is. They've had a great year. They've had a great year. But I think there's a chance that Notre Dame gets into the playoff without being in a conference, obviously, without having to play on conference championship weekend and watching other teams and having lost their their toughest game on their schedule. And I, I'm not saying Notre Dame doesn't have a resume worthy of the playoff, but there's something that doesn't feel right about you get to sit back and watch and root for teams to lose. And if it happens, you're not playing. 
You're not playing a big-time school, but if it happens, you're in. I, I, that, that's, a, that's a problem with the infrastructure of the sport. That's what makes Notre Dame smarter than everybody else. Notre Dame had, had, has enough, you know, uh, prestige. Kevin and BJ have enough cachet to say, look, we control our own destiny because, yes, we're in the ACC and every other sport, but hockey and football. Our regular season is all we need because we're Notre Dame. Hey, man, that's the answer to everything. Why do they get Because they know the Dame. Because they know the Dame. But since that, so think about this. If Alabama beats Georgia, right, and Cincinnati couldn't, no, if Alabama beats Georgia, right, Cincinnati could possibly not get in, and Notre Dame would probably get probably get consideration. They're not going to get in, but possibly still get consideration with a team that beat them in order to be in this position. Kevin, you warm me over with this chaos. You know why I like chaos <laughs> when it comes to college football? Because it forces the college football playoff committee to really be honest. See, if everything goes chalk, it's easy. Georgia beats Alabama, so Georgia's in, right? Then, okay, I hope to do the right thing by Cincinnati by keeping them in. Oh, Michigan's in. Because all they really want is certain big brands. When you got Georgia, they're going to be in regardless. If Michigan gets in, oh, my God, the brand, you know, big blue, whatever, you got them in. Maybe maybe like an Oklahoma State or something like that. But I think hmm, Georgia loses. Now you got two in. It's only two slots left. BJ, you telling me. There are two financial windfall for the SEC. No, no, listen, listen, think about this. Think about this. Who was the that the last time two SEC teams got in? It was Alabama and Georgia. The last time two got in, you telling me it's only two slots left? Cincinnati gonna be one of those two slots? You telling me that the college football playoff committee, who doesn't even show, they don't even tell us how they voted? Like that's gonna matter? I mean, you know. I mean, jurors have to tell us how they, how they, you know, and these are jurors. Hey, man, can you tell me, you know, guilty, not guilty? You can't tell me how you voted and you, if you're a college football playoff committee. Kevin, you know just like I know. There are certain things I have to, I hope I am living to see it, and I hope I am living to see there are two slots left in the college football playoff committee, and one of them goes to the Cincinnati Bear. Can't. If that happens, how much outrage will there be if they're not here? <laughs> well, I'm just saying because no, no. a lot of fans have gotten behind that movement to get them in, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but but we talked about this earlier. I think there's a. I'm not saying there's no argument the other way, but I think there's a fairly reasonable scenario where they don't get in, and I hate that. You guys know that I <laughs> yeah. that, that that I love a group of five football and the Sun Belt and 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 all of it. I I think there has to be a direct pathway in. But look at the the top four right now. Okay, I. I think Alabama beating Georgia would be a major problem. If Alabama beats Georgia, as Ben said, I'm talking about for Cincinnati, yeah. there's two slots. If Michigan wins, and I, I think we all probably, yep. with all due respect to Iowa, I think we all expect Michigan yeah. to win. Those, those, those three slots are inarguable. Okay, now you're talking about if Oklahoma State wins and they're favored, you are evaluating an undefeated Cincinnati against a one-loss Oklahoma State who is a conference champion of a pretty decent league. I think league. their one loss was to by Baylor. less than a field goal. It was no, it was not Baylor. They lost to Iowa State on the road. Okay, right. You're talking about I think a, resume, by two. a resume that would then have a win over Baylor, a win over Oklahoma. Two wins over Baylor. Yeah, two wins over Baylor and Oklahoma in the last – I don't know when they play Baylor in the regular season, but those are three by me- by metric top ten wins. Cincinnati would have one. So how would you compare a team with 
no losses with one top ten win against a team with one loss with three top ten wins. I think you – I'm not saying I don't have all the data, the details, the minutiae in front of me, but I think you could at least say reasonably you could make an argument for Oklahoma State in that scenario. BJ, are you telling me because – because you always telling us that just because you undefeated doesn't mean you're better than a team that has one loss. Sometimes better than a team that has two losses when you look at who you played. Are you telling me that Notre Dame isn't good enough of a win for Cincinnati – to put them in over a one-loss Oklahoma State because of who they beat on their resume. I think you can make an argument both ways. I, again, I don't have all the minutia. I haven't gone into – I mean, we haven't gotten to that point yet. You're right. going to have to have Oklahoma State win. You're going to have to have Alabama win. You're going to have to have some things happen. And, and, and obviously Cincinnati beat Houston. Don't just chalk that up. But I think there's a scenario where you can make a logical, rational argument for not having Cincinnati in. Not saying I would, I would agree with it. But it could get messy, Kevin. We've got more to come here from Coach's Corner. Come see us here. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out. Coming to you live from Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come join us. And love to hear from you here on this Thursday. Grab you something good to eat. Talk some college football with us as we head into a championship weekend. And Ben and BJ, BJ, Ben was you know, critiquing you on uh, your your late 80s rock and roll tunes uh, that, that we were singing here at the uh, Talk at about Coach's concerts, Corner. man. Yeah. What's the best concert you've ever seen? Huh. That's a good question. Come back to me on that one. I'll have to, I'll have to think about it. There's been, I mean, I've been quite a, a few that have been really. Been to a bunch of free ones. I okay. think. I mean, oh, BJ, check this out. When I was in college, you appreciate this. Right behind my, right behind, you know, my dorm room, who was performing, Ludacris and Outkast for the free. That's Ludacris. Ludacris had the big, uh, you know, he had the big, uh, you know, silver rights uh, blowout, uh, you know, afro look, you know, look like a microphone. And then, <laughs> and then I got to see, I got to see Snoop D O W G at the O Dome. Sponsored by who? Titus O'Neill. Well, he's, his name is Thaddeus Okay, Muller. yeah. Now, back then, he let us call him Thad. I think now he goes by Titus. Yep. Because when we had him on, I said, what's up, Thad? My name's Titus. No, your mama named you Thad, and I'm calling you it's Thad. Titus. <laughs> for me, I'll go, I'll go Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac for me. That's good. Man, I don't know. There's been so many good ones. You don't like Fleetwood Mac, Christian? Just from a straight musician standpoint, I really enjoy I saw Charlie Daniels being live, and it was amazing. Uh, just... That dude was unbelievable. I, I really enjoyed that one. I would say that might be the best one, uh, but there's a lot. Hard to say. We got. I got you. Okay. Pointing me at the clock, saying, "Hey, get out of here. We got some. We got some stuff coming here at Coach's Corner. Coming out in Georgia. We're talking college football in the final hour of the program as well. Stop by and see us here on Victory Drive. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network." Thunderbolt, and again, we encourage you to come on out and join us, grab you something uh, good to eat here, as this will be your home for a championship weekend uh, here with all the games on, Pac-12 championship on Friday night, all the uh, the others, they're on... This is the second. I'm sorry. This is, this I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to lay it out for people. I'm not saying like hey, is it, I'm saying the Pac-12 game is on Friday, and then we will have a lot of others here this on is Saturday. The second time he's promoted right. the college football weekend. He did them flex on me. Yeah, I know who's in it, man. Utah and Oregon. And didn't you get called out on uh, Twitter by 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 Joe for like talking about the Big Ten or something? You're getting called out by every Pac-12. Are you, are you about to zip it up? No, I'm just saying. Why don't you, you tell the folks who's playing here uh, this weekend at Coach's Corner? Go ahead. Georgia and Alabama. All right. 
And then a little bit later, Pittsburgh and Washington. No, no, no. What? Oh, the ACC. Oh, my. <laughs> You're comparing the Pac-12 with the ACC? The ACC championship game features two of the top ten offenses in college football, two offenses averaging over 40 points per game, two of the top seven or eight quarterbacks in the country. You're talking about Kenny Pickett, who might be the number one overall pick, and Sam Hartman. Wake Forest has two 1,000-yard receivers, not one, Jakari Roberson and A.T. Perry. Shout out. Wake Forest and Pitt is must-see TV. Ain't nobody going to be watching the Hold on. I'm naming players. Who are you That's looking forward to no, watching no, in the Pac-12 I'm, I'm like, title I'm like scared to say Who anything right now. Who are you looking forward to watching in the Pac-12 I will be doing, game? I will not be able to watch. I will be doing high school football state semifinal game uh, tomorrow okay, night. But if you could, who would you? I'll be doing high school football tomorrow yes, night. Yes, no, 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 BJ, listen, listen, BJ just shows y'all, listen, BJ gonna give you them names, he gonna give you them stats, he gonna tell you why you should be watching, and all that being said, nobody, outside of people who love the ACC, who want to just watch a good game, it's gonna be two, it's gonna be two channels on Saturday, on and off, you either watching the ACC championship game, or you're not. If you don't watch the ACC championship game, that's gonna hurt our relationship. Listen, at the end of the day, BJ, you know, I, I don't admit, know if I can trust you. You don't got to trust me. I will not be watching the ACC. I think it's going to be a great game. Going to be a great uniform game, BJ Pitt. Bring out them, bring out, bring out them nice unis. Listen, listen, you already you already know my 66 Gators. We're going to be sitting back watching what could have, should have, would have been because it's not happening. Georgia, Alabama, Kirby. Okay, but they're not. Nick, you can watch the SEC and then the ACC. No, no, I don't need no appetizer. You just want the entree. The entree is going to be. What about dessert? The, what about it? I mean, I, listen, I had the ACC game is appetizer. It would not be the appetizer. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> ACC championship game is like cream ben brulee. Ben hates the ACC. No, no, no. Kevin Lyle, Pac-12. I had cream brulee like a month ago. I was like, what oh, the hell it was, was nice. I only ate it because it was free, and I still don't know what the hell it was, but I still <laughs> no, ate it. Hold on. Let me see it because, because, yeah. hold on, because I want to try to describe this because it was great. We all had it together yeah. here in your Legends uh, series. Yes. Okay, it's like pudding or something, yep. but it's got a sugary, hard crust. Right? They set it on fire, and, and, and it's on fire. No, it's hot. No, no. But I mean, mine wasn't on fire. No, they it, do it was, before they give right. it to you. They set it, it was on fire. Previously no. on fire. Yeah. How many people it was did delicious. you look at before you bid it? To well, them? I didn't did know go, what it was. No, think about this. They brought us something to the table, and I was like, I mean, D. Webb thought it was D. Webb thought it was uh like a uh, frozen milk. He like, what is this? I, I said, thought D. it was yogurt. Cream brulee. You ever had cream brulee before that? No. What, but you ate it just because you ain't even? Yeah, I ate it because somebody brought me a dessert. What kind of person doesn't try a dessert? The greatest dessert we ever had in our life was the guy that made uh, ice cream out of cheese. Remember we was eating it at your, at your brother's? Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. great. All I'm saying is, BJ, the AC Championship game is cream brulee. Excuse me? He made ice cream out of cheese. I mean, I don't exactly remember that exact distinction. I remember the dessert was very good. <laughs> I... He did. Hello? That's what he said. I don't recall that. Hold on, hold on. I'm not, no, listen. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm saying I don't recall those specifics. I, I, I recall a person sitting next to me who, hey, I can't eat that, I can't eat that. You ate as much dessert as I did that now, day. Now you're selling me out for my diabetes. Are we talking about selling people out on the show? Nobody can do anything with BJ. Would BJ want to get you up off him? Things that we said, I thought that was I a problem. people to wash their hands. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. We are at <laughs> We were at Coach's Corner on uh, Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come out and join us. Talk creme brulee with, uh, with B.J. Bennett. And apparently, Ben will give you his cheese ice cream recipe. It is a cheese uh, ice cream recipe. How, how did he make but, it? 
Huh? I know you want to change the subject. I do, I do badly how? because how? I don't know how he made the no, music. Just walk us through it. He, me and you was eating it. And it was what he, he, Kevin, he goes, oh, for those of you who are enjoying that ice cream, it was made out of cheese. We said, like, oh, my God, it's so good. <laughs> It wasn't good. It wasn't it something was spectacular. If it was not made. It wasn't. Cheese. It was made from cheese. So he like right? the craft slices and like. <laughs> Let me tell you, he came from the Raptors. I like and he that. Made that cheese. I like that when you were telling me that BJ's giving me the. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. No. I'm gonna ask the dude. I'm gonna try to run him down. All, All right. right. Well, you give us our cheese ice cream recipe. We'll be happy to pass pass that along. But the game we we're talking about, Georgia and Alabama. You will see it here at Coach's Corner. I'll have it out in the uh, the Sound Garden on the TVs here at Coach's Corner this weekend. Georgia the favorite, Bama not the favorite for the first time in, what, 90-some-odd games or something. Uh, I saw that earlier today. How do you think both teams relish or fit in that role? Again, Bama hasn't been the underdog. They're all they're expected to win every game. Georgia has not been favored over Alabama in quite some time, but that's the case right now going into this game on Saturday. Yeah, I think Georgia's earned that. Uh, I don't know that I that I agree with the idea that, that it's going to take a lot for Alabama to win. I think there's – a lot of comparability between these two programs in terms of how they're built, team strengths, uh, what they want to do. I, I would be surprised if it's a multi-score final. I really would. I think it's going to be a close game, and of course I'm not going to be surprised if Alabama wins. But Georgia has earned the benefit of the doubt. Georgia has earned the right to be the favorite, yes, over Alabama. And I, the reasons are obvious. You have one of the best defenses ever. And if you're not on, I know you guys are sometimes hesitant to get on the all-time kind of contextual train with me, but if you don't think this is one of the best defenses ever, you're not paying attention. Uh, And offensively, you have a quarterback that's second nationally in passer rating. He's been spectacular. Stetson Bennett. You have running backs. You have receivers. You have tight ends. Georgia has earned this. Now, Bill, what I think is interesting is this is something new. This is something new for Alabama. We're the underdog. We're the consensus underdog. You mentioned the word. Are they relishing it? Yes. I think Nick Saban is preaching that. They don't think you can win. You have no chance. I don't normally think Alabama gets into the bulletin board material. I think this week they do. BJ, are you sitting there trying to convince me that Georgia defense is one of the greatest defenses you've ever seen? Georgia defense (laughs) has to give it up over, what, less than 90 points the whole season. How many shutouts did they have this season? How many games was over by halftime? I mean, when you talk about impact, I said Stetson Bennett, you know, listen, he's the most important player, the biggest, most impactful player. You know, it might be Jordan Davis. I I think at the end of the day, when you talk about this Georgia team, this is going to come down to one thing, poise. Because you know what type of team you are. You know what type of team you bring in here. Georgia respects Alabama, but they don't like him. That is football. Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart respects Nick Saban. He don't like him. You know why? Got tired of coaching under him. I want to show you I can run my own school. I've seen everything you've done. Kirby wants to win this game in the worst way, but he got obviously he don't control what happens. He only control you know the mood of the game. If you've ever seen a Georgia football team, they take on the attitude and approach of their coach. Look at the way the way Nick Saban team plays. They play with a lot of fire. They play with a lot of pause. If you look at Georgia, they try to take every single thing from you. It doesn't matter if it's the starters or the backups. Georgia rotates players on defense like hockey players. They'll bring 10 guys off the bench, and you cannot tell who they are. They're switching numbers, switching names on the back. If Georgia's ever going to get where they're trying to get, it's not about beating Alabama. More than it's about staring those guys in the face saying, we better than y'all. More about staring those guys in the face saying, we going to show y'all who we are. Because what you've done thus far has nothing to do with it. It really don't. It got you to this point. And if Georgia can do that, <coughs> BJ, and they don't flinch, they got a shot. But if Alabama can find any little wrinkle, that's what they're going to they gonna target that all game. Hopefully Georgia doesn't show any wrinkles. We'll see. 
And again, this is one that, as you said, this is a <coughs> this is a validator uh, type football game for 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 Kirby Smart, right? I mean, and you say, come on, man, he's uh, the. This game was a validator for Jimbo Fisher, right? Can Texas A and M beat beat Alabama? Yes, I mean, I know he has a national championship, but any guy that wears the uh, you're a former Saban assistant, this is the validator. Can the young apprentice beat the old master, right? Can he can he beat the wizard at this thing? And I think for for Kirby Smart, this game might be for him personally about as big as a national championship game because not because he hates obviously he coached for Nick Saban for a long time, but because you were the guy that got over on Nick Saban and you beat him and you won. And what that says about your program in this area of college football that not many guys can do, you're able to beat him and move on. And again. Whatever happens in the, the playoffs, I think if they kick Alabama out, and by doing that they win this weekend, I mean, I, I don't know that they're going to play a more difficult uh, game physically and mentally than they will play on Saturday uh, against Alabama because that is a get-over get game. That is a get-through, get-by, validation football game for, for Kirby. And I think, he again, I expect Georgia to be really focused in this game oh. and come out with a great effort, but this is huge for a number of reasons for Georgia. The hardest thing to earn in football is respect continuously. Like, people respect you, but you got to earn it game in, game in, game in. I guarantee you this, and I could be wrong. Georgia beats Alabama. Those Alabama players going to stay on that field because they're going to shake the hands of them Georgia players because they're saying, this is what it's like to play at Alabama. You see what you're feeling? This is what it's like to be, you know, play for the Crimson Tide because they're used to this. The hardest thing, and the thing about football is you update your resume every single week. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing. It don't matter who you beat, can you beat them. If, if Kirby Smart can get over the hump, every camera on that field going to be watching that handshake at the end. And, and obviously Nick Saban going to congratulate him, but I'm telling y'all, the hardest, thing, the hardest yard to get in football is one. That's the hardest yard to get. People, it's fourth and one. Yeah, but when everybody knows when you're going to run the football, that's when it's hard to move the ball. When everybody's saying that, there they go. That's them. That's Alabama. Alabama are not world beaters. Alabama's never said they can't be beat. But beating them is hard as hell. You know why? Because most people ain't never done it. I didn't play Alabama in college, thank God. And they weren't the <laughs> Alabama they are now back then. But I will say this. This may be the biggest. This is the biggest game in Kirby Smart's career, and he's been in the national championship. He beat these. He beat Alabama on Saturday. Georgia's already the most dangerous team in, in the college sure. football. They beat Alabama. Now you're dealing with the most confident team going into the college football playoff. Well, and I think you made a great point, Kevin, about the psychological aspect. I, I, I think that's there. I mean, this is Mount Everest. I mean, Kirby Smart's done just about everything. I mean, he's been a play away from the national championship and beating Coach Saban in that. But I think there's an element still in element of i don't know if the unknown is the right word but kind of i've done it all but i haven't beaten him yet and and i i think that's real and that doesn't mean it's unovercomable i mean you're four quarters away you're four quarters away from slaying the dragon but i definitely think that is a factor heading into saturday i certainly do i think george is up for it and again a lot of emotion going into that game there on saturday we're coming to you live from coach's corner here on victory drive in thunderbolt before we step aside uh bj apparently so the, the, the Google question, is cheese ice cream a thing? And this is what it turned up according to MyRecipes.com. Cheddar cheese ice cream is very real. In the Philippines, cheese is actually a classic ice cream flavor, about as normal as chocolate and vanilla. I'm not saying that that's what Ben had. What about, dumb, what about double but, chocolate? But apparently, that's not real. <laughs> I don't but, think uh, I had that. But, uh, but apparently that's what Ben had, and apparently it was 
Very del- delicious. They also said there's such a thing as cream cheese ice cream, and oh, maybe Lord, that's geez. what you had okay. there at the uh, at the end of the other day. We're at uh, Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come see us here. This is 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. What's going on, Bulldog Nation? Boy, Rennie Curran, former UGA linebacker, speaker, author, and you listening in the three and out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Welcome back to Three and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Uh, we talk a lot about the uh, the playoffs at the college football level with the FCS right in the middle of their college football playoffs and uh, the Kennesaw State Owls uh, into the second round against ETSU uh, this week. The head football coach of the Owls, Brian Bohannon, joins us here on three and out coach welcome to the show how are you i'm doing great thanks for having me talk about how the, the, the last 12 months or so for your your football program i know fcs uh in 2020 you kind of had some spring football uh you didn't get to maybe play a couple of games in the fall and then you get back into the fall season what's kind of the last 12 months or so been like for you coaching uh kennesaw state with a spring season and now back into the the regular fall season Probably the toughest in my 25 years plus of coaching. Um, it's been crazy. Um, pandemic, social justice movement, heated election, spring season, um, just so much stuff. Um, nothing was normal. Everything's out of you know out of sync. Um, and, and and you know you're trying to get back to some normalcy. And I think that was the goal coming out of the spring is like, well, listen, we got to get back to doing the things the way we do it around here. And so we, we made, we went on a mission starting with our summer program that no matter what, we were going to get back to doing the things that we need to be do to be successful. Some of the stuff we couldn't control before that. It just, it's just, it was where we were, um, you know, and, and it's been challenging. And then we get partway through the summer and, uh, you know, Ladarius Clarity, one of our backup quarterbacks, is shot and killed when he went home for for a day or two, and so our team's been through a ton. To be where they are today is is just speaks volumes of our kids and their character and their resiliency. Um, but I think um, all that aside, we found a way to come together as a football team, um, and and that's important to us. I know people talk about it, but team's a big deal here, um, and 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 they've been really resilient and really had a great attitude. Um, with a lot of tough circumstances. I mean, we started the season, we had 20 guys out for the first game. We had 15 guys out for the second game. I mean, it's just been one of those years that we've had to battle around adversity on multiple different fronts. We had two games this year. One of them, we're down inside of a minute to go in the game. And the other, we're down inside of a couple minutes to go in the game. We've had to find a way to win. So this group's had a lot of resiliency. They've had a really good attitude. And uh, and proud of them from being where we are today after all that stuff they've come out of, which has been tough for a lot of folks. And, Coach, uh, with all that you mentioned there, what's the relationship been like with, with you and your student athletes and uh, the team with, with their teammates just inside the locker room? How special and important and, and valuable have all those relationships and uh, what you guys have been through? How has that helped bring you closer together? Well, I think there's no question it's had a lot to do with bringing us closer together and um, you know, you know when you're when you're in a world of six feet apart and and all the things that we all know about, um, it just it really tore us up and it made it tough for us to go function. And it was great; everybody got together. And sometimes, you know, adversity even brings you closer together. 
and I think that's happened with us. And it's really a this group's always had a really good attitude. Um, they haven't always practiced the way I want them to, um, but they've always had a pretty good attitude, and they've been able to overcome some, you know, some adversity and stuff. So I think there's no question the relationship piece with all of us has carried us to where we are. If we didn't have that, I don't know that we would be playing today. I think that may be the difference for this team is that they do click together, and it is a team. And, I mean, we win a lot of games. We're winning, and there's not a, like a huge statistical guy. You know what I mean? It's just a bunch of guys playing hard for one another. and That's who we are here. That's who we, who we aspire to be. Brian Bohan joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Coach, in the second round of the playoffs, it seems like that's been a constant theme for you guys. And first-round win over over Davidson. Do you, you feel like your your program is to the point where you expect to be there and you expect to win and move forward? Absolutely. Um, and we've been that way from day one. Um, we do. We expect to be there. Um, now we got to go earn it. But we do expect to be um, you know, in the playoffs and having a chance to compete for a championship. That's what the goals of the program are. So, um, you know, we got to go do it. And when you're playoff time, it's, you know, you, you go find a way to survive in advance, you know, and you don't, and that's it. And you do whatever you got to do to find a way to advance. Um, so we, we'll hopefully we'll have a chance to do that Saturday. I know we'll have a chance. Hopefully we'll do that Saturday. Um, but, uh, but every week it's more challenging and, and we're beat up. I mean, it's been a long year. We've had a lot of injuries and, so we're going to have to overcome some of that. But, but this team's been found ways to do that. Coach, with the win over Davidson, uh, you, you tied Coastal Carolina's David Bennett for the most career wins in Big South history. Uh, such a young program, a program that is still growing and evolving. Have you allowed yourself to think about what, what you guys have done there in a relatively short period of time? Um, probably not. Um, you know, in this, in this profession, you know, it's like uh, – you, you win a game on Saturday and you enjoy it that afternoon and um, you get up the next morning and you're, you're worried to death about the next one. And I think, um, you know, we put a premium on making sure we celebrate. But, no, I'll be honest with you, I probably haven't. Um, you know, I'm so concerned about having a good practice today and, and getting ready for this game on Saturday. I don't know that until the season's over and maybe there's a little break in recruiting um, that you can maybe step back and relax. And, and I do, I mean – what the kids and staff have done here over our short time um, is really phenomenal. Um, you know, a great group of kids that have started the program, that are continuing the program, great staff, um, just, just a bunch of great people that have uh, that bought into one another um, and, and the plan and the vision we have. And, 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 and so I am extremely proud of all those folks that have been a part of this. Um, Hopefully we'll have a chance to reflect. You need to. Sometimes you, you get caught up in the day-to-day, but we will. We'll find a way to reflect at some point, just probably not right now. Speak to your, your opponent this week, ETSU. Obviously uh, has played really well all season long. I believe have a win over uh, Vanderbilt earlier in the season. What kind of opponent are you expecting coming up uh, this weekend? Well, they're really good. Um, they, they, they won their conference. They won the Southern Conference. As you mentioned, they beat Vanderbilt early in the year. I think the final score was 23-3. to um, So uh, they're a really good football team that likes to run the ball, tough, physical, hard-nosed on defense, um, got an identity. Uh, they do a nice job. We're going to their place. They actually got a bye last week in the playoffs um, as we were playing, so that was uh, obviously an advantage for them. So uh, it, they're a really good football team. But, listen, there's like a hundred and – 
I don't know, 20 or 30 FCS programs in the country, and there's only 16 playing right now, so everybody's good. And you got to bring your best on a given Saturday. If not, you'll be packing your stuff up. Um, the other program will be, will be practicing the next week. And that's just kind of the way playoff football is. Coach, you guys have rushed for at least 150 yards in, in 71 straight games now. In terms of keys to victory on Saturday, is that where it all starts? No question. we got to establish a run game, no question. Um, uh, and it's going to be a challenge because their front seven's really good. Um, but we got to establish a run game. We're going to have to throw it Saturday as well, um, which we've had to do this year. Um, so, But there's no question we got to establish a run game to get us going, and then we could kind of work off of that. Brian Bohannon joining us here, head football coach at uh, Kennesaw State. And, uh, Coach, you, you talk about bringing this program around and being that expectation where you expect to be here. And uh, you, you've taken a program that didn't exist and you've made it into a consistent winner. I mean, talk just – you talked about reflecting, but just I know you had that uh, in your mind from day one. Is we're going, but it seems like it was almost from the jump. You guys came on the scene and were competing from the jump and, and building to where you're at right now. Yeah, I think it was just the, the mindset we went into this thing with. We it was very clear what we wanted to be and how we wanted to do it, and then we had to constantly communicate that. and And the group of kids that came in to started this thing, they, you know, we kind of sold, you know, leaving their mark, making history. And uh, they played with a chip on their shoulder like every day, every game. And, uh, and, and, and they're the ones that got this thing going. Um, you know, we talked about winning championships in our first team meeting that we ever had here, knowing we weren't going to win one that year because we were, we were a bunch of freshmen, you know, going out to play. But we, we talked about the expectations. And then the work ethic we put behind it is really what's made it. You know, um, it's easy to talk about all those things, but you got to go do it. And, uh, and, the, and those kids did, and they, they laid the foundation for what these kids are now building off of. And, um, you know, it, it is. It's, it's, it's expected around here. And, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want it any other way. Um, but it, it was on a lot of hard work, uh, a, a good vision of what we wanted and how we wanted it to look, and then kids just buying into it. Um, and then we had some success, you know. If we'd have gotten – We'd have gotten beat really bad. I don't know if it would have gone quite like we wanted it. But we had a little bit of success. Kids bought into what we were doing. And to their credit, they've, they've made this thing happen. Brian Bohannon, head football coach of the Kennesaw State Owls, our guest here on 3 and Out. Coach, we appreciate the time. Best of luck to you guys here in round two this weekend. Thanks so much. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Brian Bohannon joining us here on 3 and Out. And they've got ETSU coming up round two of the FCS playoffs. We've got more to come here 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Glad you are with us here on this Thursday. Kevin BJ Ben, keep Coach's Corner in mind. Come on out, grab you something good to eat and drink. They'll have conference championship games all weekend long. Yes, they will have some Friday and Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously, the SEC championship game uh, coming up on uh, Saturday. Four o'clock, Georgia and Alabama, the one that a lot of folks are really going to be digging in on because it is a huge elimination game where both teams have something online. Obviously, Georgia to stay at number one, Alabama to try to get in, Alabama lost. I think a lot of people think the conventional wisdom, they're not in. And where does that leave? Is it Oklahoma State? Is it Cincinnati? Is it Michigan to fill out the rest of those? That's where it gets it. Does Notre Dame jump in there if Alabama goes out? 
uh, I think that's where it gets very, very interesting. Yeah, and, and, and I also think we're not hearing a lot of people talk about this because the college football playoff has kind of overshadowed everything else. And I know there's a, a, a narrative, understandably, that, hey, if Georgia loses, they're still in. Let's talk about winning an SEC championship, okay? I mean, and, and the value of that. That's not every day. Ben, I know you have one from your freshman year at Florida. That's 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 a resume builder. That's a legacy uh, uh, win to have an SEC championship. I know Georgia's gotten to the point where the expectation is to play for that every year. But an SEC championship, are you kidding me? So I know we're all looking ahead. I know the talk is, is it going to be Oklahoma State? Is it going to be Cincinnati? Let's let's if you're Georgia, let's win this SEC championship first. Beat Alabama like we've talked about. Get over that hump. Get the ring. Then you move on, Ben, to the Final Four. Yeah, and BJ. Sometimes we listen. We do we do get uh, get caught looking ahead. I mean, I know the hindsight is twenty twenty, and we want to make sure that when it comes to a a game of this magnitude, it, it's always something on the line. When we talk about the SEC championship, though, right, BJ? Regardless of college football implications. You want to say, hey, man, who won it all? Who won the SEC in 2020, 2021? What may have you, but it's just so intriguing because Alabama is that they've lost one game in two calendar years. They've lost one game, and we and we lose our mind. Alabama has literally done everything you can do in football. They've gone undefeated, dynasties, check. The only thing they haven't done, Kevin, which that's something else. Bryce Young got a chance to do something Alabama's never done, have a Heisman Trophy winner at the quarterback position, the one thing Alabama hasn't done. But I keep on saying this. This is going to be pressure is a privilege versus, you know what I'm saying, the rat poison. This is going to be, you know, the, you know Kirby Smart saying. How oh, big is the box of rat poison it, this week if you're it, Nick it, 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 is, it is huge, but I, I will say this. Nick Saban can't say this because obviously he's the head coach, but he knows who he's grooming underneath him. Kirby Smart was the guy that said, I have plenty of uh, head coaching opportunities. I wanted to be that guy at Georgia. I, I played at Georgia, and look at what he's doing for Georgia. But once again, you know, that immovable object known as Alabama, we always think, man, they didn't look good this game, but they won. Yeah, but they almost lost. That's, and, and Kevin Thompson, that's called winning. <laughs> yeah. They still won. But with all the storylines, gonna listen, when the rubber meets the road, it's going to come down to who can, who can do what they do the best. Georgia, you know what they want to do on defense, BJ? They want to take everything from you. They want to they want to win with that front seven. They don't even blitz that much. They don't have to. I don't even know how good BJ uh Georgia's secondary is because they can't get the ball off. If you are Alabama, you got to go out there, you know, uh, and unleash that offense with a guy like Bryce Young and say to yourself, look, man, we got to be able to take some chances. We can't be playing deke and dunk. We got to be able to take some chances, be able to yes. take some shots. And I think at the end of the day, this is going to come down to if you lose a game, I I want to lose being me. I want to lose saying this is who we are. We, they just outdid us. You know, that they were themselves more than we were ourselves. But this is why you love college football. This is why you love watching. Whether you are a fan of either team or just a casual, you know, observer of both of these teams, you're going to watch – Something me and Christian always talking about. Everybody want to play in the SCC. <laughs> Everybody is good enough to play in the SCC. SCC football is different. BJ, every time we have a guy that came from another conference, the SEC, they say, man, it's different than the SEC. You are about to watch the premier players in college football on the same field. Perfect weather conditions, people. It's in the dome. So we don't got to worry about nothing under the lights. ATL. 
I mean, the epicenter of college football. Let's do it. The the the, the next chapter, BJ, of the SEC. Is this is this the thirtieth? Is this the thirtieth SEC yep, championship game? Yep. The thirtieth SEC championship game. And it, it don't get much better than this. Can listen? Can uh can the student beat the teacher? Can you look across that field? Because I remember what Kirby Smart said. Don't nobody want to. We respect that team over there, but they don't want to play us. Nick Saban, remember that. Now you're doing it, and I think the greatest if not one of the greatest college football stories of all time, his first name is Stetson. His last name is Bennett. Who would have ever thought that if Georgia gets back to what they're trying to do, it's going to be a guy that wasn't even on campus, not a five-star, not JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett. BJ Cousin got a chance to help them Georgia Bulldogs do what they haven't done in is a that long right? time. But we'll see what no, happens. No, Stetson is not my cousin. No, no hold on. Hold on. Would you, now, would you, would, you, would, you wear, would you wear a Stetson Bennett jersey? I mean, yeah, come on, man. Yes. Listen, Stetson, Stetson is having a yes, great season. And, again, got a story up on Southern Pigskin kind of contextualizing some of what he's done with some quotes from DJ Shockley. But you're right. It's an incredible story, and he's done it. His way, uh, DJ Shockley earlier in the week was talking about his calm kind of nature and how regardless of what's there, uh, he's focused, he's steadfast, he's consistent, and I think that resonates throughout the entire football team. He is helping to lead Georgia forward as the Bulldogs compete for a national championship. But I want to address something you said. I think it actually goes both ways with Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young. Given the two defenses here, Georgia maybe the best defense we've seen in a generation. Alabama maybe the best defender We've seen one of the best right up there with Aaron Donald and Charles Will- in, a, in a generation. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has 30 tackles for loss already and Will Anderson coming off the edge. This is going to be a game where you have to attack. There is not going to – if you're running kind of the West Coast offense and here's here's four yards and out and, or a six-yard curl, you are going to get stuffed. And I think that's a – that's a game Georgia not only can win but wants to win. Stetson Bennett is second in the nation in yards per attempt. He wins throwing the ball downfield. He is pushing the ball downfield. And whether it's Brock Bowers, whether it's whether it's Burton, whoever it is, Pickens, maybe we see some some uh, snaps for him. You've got to push the ball downfield, and Bennett has been elite at that. And then you think about Bryce Young has not one but two probably All-American-type receivers and Jamison Williams, who leads the SEC in receiving, and John Mechie, who we've seen do it on a big stage already. This is not a game where you run a tight end you know, drag for three and a half yards. Yes, you have to run the football, but this is a game where you're going to have to beat these defenses downfield. You're going to run against Georgia? Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I think we were talking about it with Christian the other day and I don't know if this is going to work but if I'm if I'm uh, coming up with a scheme or a game plan for Alabama I'm throwing it 45 times because running is not going to do it you're not going to have success got to do it situationally but I think both quarterbacks are going to have to bend push the ball downfield on Saturday in football they got this term known as one of them ones You'll see a coach, man, he, that's one of them ones right there. It's going to be so many on Saturday. You're going to be like, I thought you said, no, it's, no, it's going to be one of them ones all over the field. And Kevin and BJ, I'm telling y'all, I love when the guy in front of me is just as good, if not better than me. I love when the guy in front of me might be better than me to bring out the best in me. I love when the guy in front of me, I've been hearing about him all year. I love before the game, people be thinking, what are players on one side of the field looking at? I'm looking at that guy I got to go against. I want him to see me because I can't run, right? I don't want to run from him. And the tape will decide what happened during the game. But, BJ, with so much talk about this game, this is why I love it. Because everybody thinks they can do it until it's time to do it. If you root for the, if you root for that Alabama, if you root for Georgia, you're going to be in for a treat. But, Kirby, just know this. Kevin, you said it. this is a legacy builder. 
There aren't too many people in this life can say, I beat Nick Saban. Think about that. He don't lose often. Every recruiting class he ever had at Alabama has won a national championship. I mean, think about it. Every, what can we guarantee at Alabama? They're going to win a natty wide because yep. that's all we know. Every recruiting class. I mean, three years ago, you know, his, 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 uh, his quarterback room, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurst, too, all starting in the NFL right now, killing that man. Bryce Young get a chance to potentially become a Heisman Trophy winner. But, you know, but I think when it comes to them Georgia boys, they say, hey, man, I didn't pick I didn't pick Georgia over Alabama. I picked Georgia because I picked Georgia over everybody. And they finna go out there and show it. Jordan Davis, BJ. You talking about Will Anderson, Kobe Dean. Huh? I mean, they got them all over that Georgia defense as well. But once again, can you do it again against the premier college program in the country? And that's take nothing away from Georgia because, BJ, what is the narrative going to be? Sunday morning, the dogs beat the, the, dogs beat the Tide. And they're going to the college football playoff, not just number one, confident and number one because that bully be, that bully Kevin, he's at the house getting ready for his bowl game. Absolutely. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. We're live at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. This is the place to be for championship weekend. Come on out and grab some great food, something cold to drink as well. They'll have the SEC game out in the Sound Garden going on on Saturday, so a lot of room, a lot of place for you to come and watch that Georgia-Bama showdown. we got a couple pieces of breaking news we're going to hit to. When we come back, it's three and out of these southern pigs.